everybody. Welcome to Subtitles On, the only podcast about movies. We are going to be talking about a movie today, and we'll be talking about the writer of the movie, and the movie has a writer in it. And we call it Subtitles On because we read the movie because it got written by a writer, and we do talk about the writer and the writer inside it because the movie usually has a writer. And that's part of Subtitles On, and that's the podcast that we're doing right now. I'm here. I'm hosting it. My name's Sean, and I have my friend, and my friend's name is Joe, and Joe Mandy's here. Hi. Joe, and Joe, you're a writer, and you write for all the big shows, mm-hmm. and Hacks, and Parks and Rec, yeah. and um, just go ahead and just say what else you've The Good done. Place. The Good Place is a big one. Show. Master of show, None. Master of uh, None. Yeah, Hacks. Hacks, I said. Mm-hmm. Um, and Parks you've done and your own things. Parks, I yeah. said. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. uh, and you've done, you do your own stuff too. Yes, yeah. Development and just <laughs> yeah. the yeah. whole, you know, the way this industry works, you don't see everything we work on. Some no, of it you I, haven't seen exactly. yet. And some of it, I think you'll never see, right? Well, I like to just, Claim that you'll it, you haven't seen it yet. Haven't even seen if it yet. The things from and sometimes 10, it seems like ago. something's gone, yeah, but yeah. then yes, twenty five years from now, mm-hmm. after we're all long dead, mm-hmm. uh, people will be looking at it. Aliens will be sorting through the ashes and they'll make and reading it. some of yeah. our funny. And they'll yeah, put and on they'll go, renditions. Uh, this I think. This seems producible. Yeah, they'll say. They'll be like, blah, 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 blah. yeah, that, yeah. They'll sound. And then like you need that. the subtitles. On. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll need the subtitles for the aliens because we don't speak alien language but uh <laughs> the movie that we're going to talk about today is a movie called bowfinger yes both of these fingers right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's written by steve martin it stars steve martin and eddie murphy yes. and it's a funny movie and i had said you uh reached out to me um we'll just you know let people in yeah you slid into my dms you, <laughs> you decided to carpe diem yeah and I yeah. always appreciate a, a DM, especially from someone of your standing. Mm-hmm. And you said, uh, I like the movie The Player because I had done you a just, podcast yes. about The Player and you yes. said, I like The Player. And I had just seen it. And I said, we already did it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, thank you. Yeah. I did that already. Right. Like, I don't know right. what you're Leave asking for, yeah. Like, but like that happened. Mm-hmm. I've been liking The Player. I'm doing it on a podcast. Yes, right. So then- I was like, do you know any other movies? And then, do you remember what you said? No. (laughs) (laughs) You said, I know the movie Bowfinger. Right, yes. You said, I think that's that's a good show business That's the only other movie I could think of ever. Yeah, Yeah, which, by the way, um, I had heard of. Mm. When Bowfinger came out, it was during an era, and I'll reference this era. It was a lot of my life where my main exposure to film and show business was that I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a Nepo baby, but my parents did subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. Whoa, okay. So I had access to sort of, and you know, the industry uh-huh. in a way that a lot of people were not, you know, able Certainly to Certainly not on a weekly basis like that. Yes, yeah. yes. If people had Entertainment Monthly, maybe they got some of what yeah, I was you're getting, getting but- Four times. No, it was every single week, and I would read all of the movie reviews and I would believe the movie uh-huh, reviews. Yeah. And if 
Owen Gleiberman or Lisa Schwartzenbaum <laughs> gave you an A, I was going to see that movie. Yes, right. And in my recollection, and and you know, Kevin, we can look it up. I believe that Owen Gleiberman gave an A in Entertainment Weekly to right. Finger, and I said, I gotta see this mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. And I was a Eddie Murphy maniac, of Absolutely. course, at this, this is, age. This is sort of a... This is 99, yeah. so I'm in high school or whatever. I'm <clears throat> years old. Um, but it's... I I was like, I love him. The Nutty Professor I had watched <laughs> 8,000 times. Was it? And this was pre-Clumps, I believe. It was pre-Clumps. It was post-Nutty Professor, mm-hmm. Nutty Professor being something of a comeback yes, after this, sort this of like spot the him. Metro yes. era of like, he had been like the biggest star in the world. Then he had done some action movies that like weren't really fun. And Vampire in Brooklyn. Vampire in Brooklyn, yes. yeah. Um, and then it was like, oh, dude's back. Yeah. And then did this. And I was super pumped on it because I was like, oh, it's Eddie Murphy. Oh, it's Steve Martin. Oh, it's about showbiz, which is an entertainment weekly yes, reader. Right, I was of course. Like, You're very like, ins- I'm on the inside track already. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to be, oh, my God, there's going to be so many things I get yeah. that like other people in the theater like don't get about like how this is like actually how it works. <laughs> and so I watched it. And in my memory at <clears throat> 17 or so. 18 or so, I was lukewarm. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, it's funny. And then since it is regarded as an underrated classic and a lot of people I know, and I've, it, Hayes loves it, uh-huh. Carl loves it. They've talked, they had both rewatched it at one point before a flagrant ones. And I was like, I gotta rewatch it again. It was on my list. I gotta rewatch it. So when you said it, I said, ooh, goody. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's great. Like being <clears throat> 18, 19, and seeing that movie, yeah. I think there's also, whether you want to admit it or not, a complex about being that age and going to a PG-13 movie where you're like, this- It wasn't, you know, it wasn't could hit be a hard little, enough. Yeah, exactly. Now, again, I had loved Nutty Professor, which was also, mm-hmm. I believe, PG-13, mm-hmm. right? That was a family film. Yeah, that's right. But you would have, you had grown but, a couple years. Yeah, it's true. It was a couple you're years before. Probably. Yeah, so I think- uh, I think that that was part of it that I wanted it to hit a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, like I, watching it again, I, I still have a love for it. It was a movie I watched a lot for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, IO did your player episode, the player. Yeah, we I, already did that. One. I, I know. And I'm pissed about it. But watching this, I. I couldn't help but feel like, oh, this is the player for babies. It's the same <laughs> sort of story about like how like medium talent people get something made mm-hmm. and like, you know, the cynicism behind that. But it is like Frank Oz rather than Robert Altman. So you're just getting like a very different right s- tone to the movie, you know? Yeah. And it was look, so it was written by Steve Martin, mm-hmm. obviously. Very funny. And this is like an in-between phase for him too, right? Where he had been like absurdist comedy guy. And then then he became like sort of like very intellectual yeah, playwright after this, it was guy. Like, like it was like and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Picasso at the Lapina Gilles. Uh-huh. <laughs> um <Yep. laughs> is the name of a play that he wrote that I read in high school that I was like, okay. That's the subtitle for Pink Panther <laughs> too, right? <laughs> so it's like 
he got like a little bit more like I don't want to just be funny. And this so this is a sweet spot yeah. for him, I feel like, yeah. too, where it's like um, Freddie Murphy was like hardcore big star, got too serious, then like did some family comedies, then get like too many family comedies. And then Steve Martin was like so, so funny, then like got too serious. But in between, he did something that like it's saying something. There's yeah. some substance to it, but it's really got like some big absurd comedy stuff and i just i do think like i am sad and we talk a little bit about how like comedy barely exists now (laughs) in movies and like it's so heightened in spots and it totally like i just feel like you wouldn't be allowed to make a movie of this tone because there are things that break the reality that like and i've talked about before the note of like something feels written yeah like when he's doing the fake phone call in the restaurant next to robert downey jr it's such a big comedic scene like it's so fake yeah you would never believe that someone would think that someone else would buy what he's doing or that he thinks robert downey jr right when he pretends to actually be into it that he would that he would buy that like it's not real, but it doesn't break the reality of the movie. It's just like, well, we're going to make this scene yeah. that's comedic, very big and comedic. Right. And then we're going to go back and, and these show are real he's, people. He's an outsider and a loser. And, and yeah. he's got like a phone cord hanging from yes, his from phone. His I mean, it's like that. Phone, it's like yeah. really well done. Like all the, the, the comedic set pieces are so well done. And then it is just a matter of like, yeah, just. But they're telling you they're real people. They want you to care about the people. They're not saying like this is like a fake, like absurd, like Lonely Island world or something where it's just like things are so heightened everywhere. It's like it's the real world that, you know, and these people are total dumbasses. Yeah. Allowed to be like extra silly in some of the scenes. It's exactly right. It is heightened, but it is like it is a reality that there's the city's filled with delusional people who are waiting for things to just break the right way so they get, yeah. you know, But I seen. think, I, I just was like, I think you used to be allowed to do this more where it's like, we're going to heighten it up. Like, it'll be like a total, it'll be a symbol of what this is, but the person will be supposed to be a real person. So when Heather Graham is like, I gave myself one week to make it in Hollywood. I, and I just got here from Ohio. and it's <laughs> She like, literally like steps off a yeah. bus, like a movie from the 40s. Yeah, yeah. they just go like, yeah, it's yeah. this kind of idea, right? Yes. You get it. Um, so anyway, it's written by Steve Martin. Eddie Murphy has a quote that I found on Wikipedia where he says that uh, Bowfinger is a very funny movie. And he says that one was all on the page. I didn't improvise much. That was Steve Martin. He like knew exactly what he wanted. And I think uh, I'd like to know if you have like a bigger or a general like Steve Martin take. Like what's your feeling about him, opinion on him? Is there stuff of his you love? Is he a hero? Is he? Yeah, I mean, I just, you got to love a guy who tried and excelled at all these various things. You know, like I don't love banjo music but he does and then yeah. he's a noted banjo player you know what i mean yeah. he's just like a, a true renaissance man so like like uh you know i loved the jerk growing up and three amigos absolutely mm-hmm. um and then this movie like i i guess my take you know you can agree or disagree we could discuss i guess that's the point of this show. yeah let's fight um <laughs> i think this movie is a top three 
Steve Martin movie, a top three Eddie Murphy movie, yeah, and a top three Jamie Kennedy movie. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we could quibble on the last. Yeah, one right. Because <laughs> uh, the body of work is just uh, I I don't I don't know that I can limit it like yeah, that. No, but okay, well. um, so I think uh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. And in terms of uh, my opinion on steve martin of course like it's as you said it's so cool that he became like the biggest most famous stand-up in the world and was just like had done had taken that mm -hmm. form to a height no one had ever seen that was just like i'm done gonna do something else that was like you would just be like don't do that yeah. don't do something else then right. it's like oh i'm great at this too like just yeah. like very charming incredible like screen presence amazing sort of a actor, proto donald writes. glover yeah it's like it's pre it's pre-Donald, but um, all the blueprint was there. Yes, right. Uh, um, but I think uh, I also am not a big banjo fan. And when I see that he's like pushing the banjo thing so hard, that was something where I was like, well, come on, man. Yeah. But I did these commercials, these Pepsi commercials uh -huh. that I like wrote uh for helped out with writing last year for the Super Bowl and one starred Ben Stiller and I worked like a lot on that but then Steve Martin was in the other one and so I got flown to New York and I was on set and he came in and it was like hey Steve and Ben are gonna do these little like promos basically like commercials for the commercials they're being like we're in a Pepsi commercial weird and I was like okay and I had and it's sort of like them taking digs at each other and I had like written some stuff for them inside what the commercial people want and i was like oh, is this gonna be okay like this is gonna be i got like these two huge famous like incredible comedy yeah. heroes and like i don't know if this is good yeah and steve came in and just immediately like entered took over the room did this like very presentational bit where he was like oh my god he was like like Yorma was directing it and so he came in and he was like it's you you're here like it's us get a picture of this get a picture of this like to Ben and like pulled like as Ben was walking towards him like pushed him aside and hugged Yorma <laughs> and like made this big bit like I, I'm yeah. not explaining it great but it no, was just like it was so really funny well like the yeah. whole room was like loud he's like Yorma I can't believe it we're together again. get a picture of us get a picture of us and it was like hey man hey man um and then like so it just was was doing a bit for no one and then came out and like immediately took anything that was there like there was a part like some whatever line that had been out of the kind of make sense and he was like okay so like this part doesn't make sense so it's like what if i just say this and then ben you go like that doesn't make any sense and i go oh now we're making sense yeah, and then yeah, i was like yeah i was like it's so funny when he does this like he's so incredible and then he was like oh and then maybe Ben calls me like a banjo playing loser or something. And then it just suddenly appears that I have my banjo in my hands and I'm playing the banjo. And I was like, okay. And then like <laughs> they did it. And then like, you're standing five feet from him and he's playing the banjo and you're like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it's like everybody, anybody, if you had asked them the day before, like, do you want to see dude play banjo? You'd be like, not really. Right. I'd rather see him like, just be funny. And then, Everyone was kind of taking their phone out. Uh, like Steve Martin's playing banjo, right? <laughs> it was just like, 
it was funny. so iconic uh and i was just like oh this guy's whatever he is like mm. 75 years old yeah. and i mean of course he's a legend condescending for me to say that but it was like he was just the funniest person like in the room like so sharp made everything yeah. better like just i was like oh what a huge inspiration of like oh you can kind of like keep it going right um in this way so uh yeah i and, already was a fan but i was like oh this is this is mind-blowing yeah i don't i don't really know if the timeline works out exactly but this almost feels like the way he like pieced out of stand-up just yeah. sort of like i'm sort of i'm done with like big budget comedy so he, yeah. you know, he was like i'm gonna do a takedown in my sweet way of, of yeah. this exact kind of movie and then yeah, I'm gonna rip a, down and then write like, novellas for the Hollywood system, yeah. and then kind of just leave Hollywood for a little bit, yeah. and like not really do that. Um, yeah, I think that might be right, and it obviously, as you said, it is done. It's like a little bit of a soft touch, mm -hmm. but he is kind of going like this. Business is so <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> I know the way this works is so dumb. But as a piece of writing, I mean, the everything fits so well. Like it's so well crafted incredibly elegantly constructed yeah. and i kept noting that where there were like little tiny things uh like when oh, he he there's just a moment where he doesn't want to give bad news it's like a a, a theme of the movie it's yeah a characteristic is like he just hates giving bad news so he's like there's a moment where he's trying to think of a a lie to tell his his cast of, yeah of misfits and he he does this dog trick. His dog, he gets it to like yeah. walk and sit and walk. He's and just sit. buying time. He's buying yeah. time trying to think of a lie. But then later, in this like critical action sequence, the dog is doing the exact same trick wearing shoes. And it's like, if you hadn't planted that first part where he's playing with the dog in his office, it would have made no sense. It would have come out of nowhere. No, it's the, it's the, it's like the every part of the Buffalo thing where you don't, when he's doing that, you're not thinking at all that it could ever come back. Yeah. Later. It's just like kind of a funny bit of like, I don't want to talk to them. I'm going <laughs> to focus on my dog and show them this dog trick right. so that we don't have to deal with the fact that I have bad news. Yeah. And the same thing when uh, Christine Baranski, and we'll talk about all the scenes, but when she goes to find Kit. She really wants to meet Eddie yeah, Murphy's the whole movie. Uh, actor character. Like, yeah. And so she corners him at this like clothing store just so she can talk to him. And it's a really funny scene that's all about her mm -hmm. saying things that mm -hmm. have this like double entendre right. piece that's freaking him out. Right. And the opening of it feels like it's just to establish like what a big star he is and the way he gets treated by people where He's like, hey, I kind of like some of these clothes. And they say, well, we'll give them to you for free if you let us take your picture in right. them like with, you know, with us so we can promote it as like you shop at our store. And he goes, OK, like uh, I'll do that. Like I'll be here Thursday and we can do a little photo shoot. Like I'll bring my people. Mm -hmm. It feels like just chuffa, like yes. top of the scene. This is a little bit of character information. And then it's completely crucial to the plot later where they can't find him and they need him for something. And Christine Baranski, because she yes, like she aggressively <laughs> like followed him there, goes like, well, I know exactly where he's going to be on Thursday at 10 a.m. And I was like, this is so well constructed. Yes. Like all these little pieces like that. I was just like, God. And that's that's Steve Martin, right? You're like, yeah, it's that's like so really it's like a really well hard done puzzle. to do. Yeah. Yes, it's a puzzle. And every piece like falls into place. 
The only thing I didn't like is when the security guard sees the name of the star. I, you didn't need that. You didn't need that. Yeah, I was I mean, just that like, is like hand yes, for yeah. sure. But because I, it like stands out because everything else is seamless. You never feel like you're being like handled yeah. by the script in yeah. terms of being like told like you're gonna need to know this because later this will be important. It exactly. never feels that way. Right. Everything that you learn is important, but it's all like very well paced and very well. Uh, even the like, I mean, the the, the most critical one is the is another just seemingly like a nothing joke of him having a weird fascination with the Laker girls. Oh my God! Yes, and the L. Ron Hubbard guy being like, "Do not yes. sexually harass so, the Laker girls." Totally. And it just seems like a like a funny quirk of a. It's a just like oh, famous person. Yeah, this famous guy has like this weird fixation yeah. on this, and it's just like an L.A. showbiz specific yes. of like the big star like won't leave and the it's Laker like girls so alone, critical later, and that yeah. becomes like the most important <laughs> <laughs> plot point yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And after you've totally forgotten about it, it gets Absolutely. established in like minute 10. Mm -hmm. And then at like the very end of the movie, it's like, remember this thing? It's super important. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really, really uh, impressive and good job. Steve, you've got my stamp of approval. So <laughs> <laughs> Ding! <laughs> Subtitles on says, Steve Martin's pretty good. Um, oh, and I'll say, um, I, I wrote down when I wrote with Steve, one of my pitches that uh, Pepsi would not approve for the campaign, but they, so he busted out a banjo, but the whole thing was, um, the idea of this was like, all these movie genre pieces where it was like, uh, you know, as an actor, we can convince you that anything is real. Mm -hmm. So it's like you don't you won't know if the Pepsi actually tastes good unless you taste it yourself, because we can tell you anything is real. And then it'll be like uh, that the drama is real or that the you know, or um, there's one where Ben Stiller like looks like he's in The Revenant. And it's like that the cold is real uh -huh. and he's acting like he's cold, <laughs> but it's not cold there. And so the one I pitched for Steve Martin that I wanted them to do that. They wouldn't do, but it was going to be um, he's like standing on a balcony and like sort of like a, a robe and this woman appears in the doorway behind him and he turns around and he goes, horny again already. And then it says that the romance is uh. real. <laughs> and I thought that that would be uh, funny. I never like even the word horny. They didn't want horny, mm -hmm. but I was like, we can kind of adjust mm -hmm. around that and have it be like you looking a fuck right, right. <laughs> like i was like i pitched them so many ideas where it's like are you are you wet for me uh -huh. like i had all these alts and like everything that's got... weird they didn't like any of this no i know and i i was like she doesn't like i was like she has to be nude but we don't have right. to see <laughs> like we don't have to see all her stuff. I just picture you like yelling at like in a boardroom, just being like, "This could be the campaign." Like you're, yeah. Like I'm wet for Pepsi. Yeah, like, we're I'm, wet. I'm for horny Pepsi. for Pepsi. Like yeah. Pepsi, like gets me hard. Yeah. Like, and I was like, and he has to be hard. Yeah. Right. We, like we see it. But again, he's in a robe, so it's just like the robe's like flying around. Uh -huh. Like I, uh -huh. I, I don't know. Um. So anyway, we we open the movie. <laughs> We learn that um, Bowfinger is broke as we're like, we're panning through his like divey office. Yeah. Um, and we're hearing voicemails that he's getting from like debt collectors. And he is reading a script under this little table lamp. 
And I do love, I think the first line of the movie, right, is he goes, great, great script. script. Great <laughs> script. Yeah. Like, he's on the last page yeah. being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. okay, gotcha, seconds great script it's so funny he just like knows that he has um he he has gold on his right. hands and he immediately like calls afram who has written the script who is his accountant and like the account <laughs> for his business who he i guess inspired to be like you could write a hollywood yeah. movie and just like through the phone you can tell afram lives with like 30 people yeah, yeah. like his life sucks and he's yeah. like he's like you're not an accountant anymore buddy you're a hollywood yeah. screenwriter like you made it <laughs> so it's like this guy who sucks and has nothing calling up someone who's doing worse yes. and works for him and, and like to so be like, yeah i now am like touching you with the magic wand and being like you made it but it's like you can see that i haven't so like right. why would i get to decide that but that is just so much of how the town works well because as his name's on the door uh, I, I love the like set design of just all these like shitty plays he's in yes. and he's like tiny trinkets and well and that he's headshot. a failed actor yeah. that's never really talked about but of course when you see the fake movie at the end he has put himself into yes. it yeah but it's like it's like he's a producer he's a producer and he's reading the script and he's got this little company that he's put together of like different employees but it's like he's on these posters and it's like again such a true thing uh in hollywood that like so many of these people that you deal with where it's like sort of a schlocky producer and then it's like oh they were on a guiding light right. for like six <laughs> yeah. years like that's yeah. how they got into this whole world exactly then and when they stopped getting work they just they just changed the fucking job title on yeah. the door and right. we're like ah, i'm a producer now there's i was talking the other day about like being a manager or being a producer and obviously there are people in those roles who do great stuff but it is something that no matter what you've been doing up until that point you can just go i'm this now mm -hmm. right and like there will be someone who like you worked with at some shitty job 10 years ago and you run into them and you go like hey how's it going and they go like really good i'm producing mm -hmm. i'm <laughs> it's really good yeah have you seen um Stacy Keebler was in a Mountain Dew YouTube video. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're like, oh, yeah, sounds I, I'm not good. familiar. And they go, oh, you have, okay, okay. You should see a million she views. Eats, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the campaign is she's wet yeah. from Mountain Dew. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> there's a rope flying around. The Mountain Dew, yeah, yeah the Mountain Dew. She's, it, she shot it into her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it happens a lot where it's just like yeah, yeah yeah i love the flip side of that i have a friend who um she was saying how like she needs to find a new manager and we we're like oh do you fire your manager and she said no my manager quit the business is, an, is a botanist now yeah. <laughs> it's like it goes the other way where you can just be like yeah peace i'm reps done will just yeah. be like yeah no, yeah no 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 it's etsy shop for me i am yeah. uh, not <laughs> Not going to do any of these phone calls anymore. It sucks. I mean, what's interesting for a movie about Hollywood <laughs> is this movie sort of circumvents all sort of management agency stories. It's just producer trying to get a studio to make a movie. No one has yeah. sniffed being represented yeah. in this film. Yeah, it's no, it is, it is completely outside that part of the system. Um, but the... Because... Because no one here has made anyone any money ever. And so no one has their hooks in them. Yes, right. Because there's nothing to gain. But there, there's a... 
thing I wanted to ask you, which is like, he reads the script and has this big reaction of like, this is something. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read something either from an unlikely source where it's just like somebody sends you something like, what's this going to be? Or, or, or like, just like even from one of your friends or that you could potentially work on where you're like, holy shit. Yes. Like, this is amazing. Actually, my friend Noah, who you know, yeah. he wrote um, a pilot a few years ago. Uh, I mean, not unlike the Chubby Rain script. Yeah. I got the, the script is called Horny Ghosts. Okay. <laughs> and he wrote this pilot and it was so funny and insane. And I loved it. And then he was like asking for notes and I was like, this is unproducible. Like what you've written, like no one could ever make this. It'll it would be the most exist. expensive yeah. thing ever made. And I was like, this is, you You. You wrote an animated pilot. Like I know you're mm -hmm. not thinking of it as an animated show. And like we've been sort of working to turn it into an animated thing. But it yeah. was a similar thing of like, I think you've got something here with horny ghosts. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I, I mentioned before that there was um, a PA at Workaholics who was like, I want to be a writer, too. Uh -huh. And then we uh, it was like, yeah, sure. I'll give you notes on your script and read a script. And I was like, this guy's the best writer that works oh. <laughs> Like, it was like the wire type like it yeah. was like oh yeah i was in this sort of underground like kind of like golden gloves boxing world for a while with these scummy it was like all about this like and you're just like this is amazing and i think he got into like the sundance lab with oh, him, had cool. these mentors yeah. it just has worked it was this thing where it's like you know it's your accountant giving you a script and being like okay i'll read it to be nice and then being like can you help me actually yeah. <laughs> It's something I want to do. I mean, I had a similar thing. There, the, there's an assistant at a show I was working on right before the strike who asked if I could read a thing. And it was like a really well done historical drama about a, a young black girl in Nazi Germany trying to become uh, like a member of the Nazi youth. And not. And it was just like so good. And I just yeah. asked for notes. I was like, I don't feel like I'm yeah. like capable of giving you notes for this you know like i was yeah. giving like some story things but i was like this is like good and you've got yeah this. you've got yeah, this, this is, yeah. yeah this is a crazy idea yes. um that uh only you can figure out yeah yeah um yeah that that uh, the other thing uh in terms of just like reading a script and being like holy shit and this is obviously someone where it's like I, not that i should be impressed but i remember it was like post his studio 60 era where like the bloom was off the rose of sorkin mm -hmm. and i got sent uh the script of the social network to audition for like a two-line role and so it's like you know sometimes you get sent something to audition it's like here's your scene and it's really small and yeah. they go and here's the script right and usually you don't read the script but i was like well it's, Aaron it's sorkin. sorkin i was yeah. like ah, yeah actually let me check it out i'll get some context for the scene and i like finished it like i like tore through like it just became yeah. the rest of my day like oh my god this movie is so good yeah. like i just like just devoured and i was like just having this feeling of like oh i'm reading the new great aaron sorkin thing right. that's like going to be like and i'm getting to see it early and i'm seeing it just was? as a script it's when he they're like leaving the scene in the auditorium and there's just a couple like goofy college students that are like holy shit are you Martin? like they oh, realize yeah. they have fans yeah, basically yeah. uh that there's these dweeby kids that are like you're the guy who built 
book face or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like they're doing the that thing. And so they just at the time, I guess, believed I could play college. Cool. Uh, I don't you, know. You I guess. No, I guess I look a little young. <laughs> I try to take care of myself. But um, but I like, you know, what I went to go on tape for it. I never thought I would get it. But I just uh, it was one of the times I can remember reading something and being like, whoa, I'm reading something really special. Yeah. Like, this is going to be a huge That's deal. Cool. Um, so, Aaron Sorkin, you've got the subtitles on. <laughs> Seal of approval. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> uh, sometimes. So, anyway, he reads this thing, thinks it's a hit. Um, then he goes instantly into, like, hustler mode. Yeah. And it's also a really good, like, good construction thing where it's just like you see him reading you see that he's a loser and then you see like what he is where he calls this guy you don't know he's like can you get me a mercedes-benz tomorrow so that i can basically like i need you to get a nice car that's not mine so i can pull up to where someone else is having lunch Mm -hmm. and bother them and they see me in the car and think that i have money which i don't i mean another great stupid joke just the image of having a nice car he steals a suit from men's warehouse in like a very clever way um and then he watches a man of similar build and gray hair leave the restaurant he's walking into with no ponytail and he rips off his ponytail and the opening he has a ponytail and it's so jarring because steve martin does not have a ponytail face yes so like as he turns his head a couple times in the opening scene, it's shocking every time yeah, it's, it's like, revealed. It's, it's the weirdly like, upsetting. Like, yeah. what? Like, yeah, gross. That was there? I don't like this. And then it's yeah, fake. Yeah, you gotta he tell me. It off. Yeah, it's so and, funny. But you are like, why? When it clips off, it also makes so much sense that you're like, why was it so unsettling? <laughs> he must is like, have seen Because well, it's not exact, pulled back yes, into a right, ponytail. Right, it's just there. Yeah, they don't, yes, they don't. It's funny because they don't ever explain like why he has it initially. <laughs> Or exactly why he takes it off, but it's just like he sees someone without it, and he's like, ponytails are done. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, I guess, okay. yeah, that's fine. I was working from a model where I believed ponytails were right. part of the job. Right. <laughs> Couldn't, didn't have the commitment to grow one, I no, guess. No, no, yeah, because they could, they could go out at any moment. Yeah, yeah. so he's like ready to adapt, um, and when he does ask for the Mercedes and gets it from... His buddy, who's just like some catch-all, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy, yeah. Jamie Kennedy, who's <laughs> like this clear. catch-all, you know, sort of PA, like studio assistant type figure who's like Edward Burns, Brothers McMullen style, uh-huh. stealing the cameras uh-huh. from the production company at night. Uh, but I was reminded of a line from the recent season of Lincoln Lawyer, mm. where um, a podcast producer who's been bothering the Lincoln Lawyer uh, and is driving a very fancy car pulls into not sort a of a dingy apartment complex. Well, he's not the Lincoln lawyer. He's right. just a he's podcast just a producer. Yeah. He's got a nice car and he pulls in this dingy apartment complex and the Lincoln lawyer is waiting for him and he goes, that's LA, right? Everybody sees what you drive, but nobody sees where you live. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of true. Like I, <laughs> like I'm always shocked sometimes that when you see like a, like a Porsche parked mm-hmm. in front of like an apartment building and it is yeah. like that is interesting it is like uh just the choices people make it, it's a driving it. city it's a car city and it is like i do think there's something of like an image i need to present that when i pull up to the meeting people got to go this guy's doing good right. and, and that it's like but uh, but they're not 
they are not coming over. Right. Right. For cheese. Exactly. They're not coming over for cheese. Uh, I gotta also, watch this show. It seems insightful. I I did I I did enjoy this season. Um, uh, it really wrapped up nicely. And for that line alone, the Lincoln lawyer, you got the subtitles <laughs> off. <laughs> Seal of approval. I do want to talk about too that uh, when he calls the writer and is like, "You've got an amazing script." It is something that I that I have experienced myself, which is. When someone does call you after reading something and goes, holy shit, this is awesome. Like what you wrote, like this is the best pilot I've read. It is Bowfinger. That's who's yeah. calling you. It is never someone who can actually <laughs> who can, like, do make something a difference. For you. It's somebody who's like, yeah, I want to help you uh -huh. get this made. And it's like, but wouldn't I be helping you? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if I even invited you in to be a part of this, yeah. But it it is like anytime I'm getting like gassed up really hard, it's a huge red flag. Because right? I'm like, what do you need? <laughs> like, why do you want? Yeah, well, <laughs> be involved with my thing. Um, and I wonder, like, do you have any stories of somebody like really gassing you up or like building you up who was a total fraud, um, or like you just like. An early LA experience where it's like before you realize, like, oh, you need me because oh, that's like, interesting. You don't have anything going on. Um, I'll say when I started yeah. doing shitty jobs, like, uh, which was the improv show that I did for a long time, there was this guy who came up to me after a show and was just like, I'm a film executive. Like, I work really nice guy. Like, I work for New Line. Like, can I take you out to lunch? And mm -hmm. I was like, New Line? Not thinking like, I haven't seen anything from them in 10 years. <laughs> right. Like being like, I remember that when they used to make movies. And so uh, I was like, okay. And we went out to lunch and he was just like, you've got it. Like, I, you're like, I'm watching you. It, it's like, Fletch era Chevy Chase or something like just like there's like this like it's you're sarcastic but it's like but I like you but you can give it to me and I was just like oh my god this yeah. guy's gonna put me in a movie I'm a movie star and then it was like no this company is going under this person is like a junior 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 executive and they just like have a name play or a business card and they're like a comedy fan who can yeah. go out to a show and be like let's me and you hang out and they can hang out with people that they have seen do a comedy thing they like but i just was that's so like yeah. you're like you're going to put me in a movie and make me <laughs> famous like should have known better but yeah. was still naive again like Okay, so I wonder what new line movie I'll be the star of. Right. And then I wonder what <laughs> car I'll pick out after. <laughs> because it just was like, I'm here in LA and a big movie executive That's wants hilarious. to talk to me. No, I, I think I I missed a lot of that because I, I spent so much of that part of my life and career in New York. Where yes. There's just like Very no different. one there to gas you up. No one cares about you. Well, there it was like when I was in New York, it was like you would have a meeting with an a, a company that was doing internet videos. Yes. Like it was like, we have a division. It was like, we produce Joe Millionaire, but we also want to start to make our own branded YouTube content. Oh, for sure. There was a lot. Like there was like a, <laughs> that was the era of like you could make crazy 
money in internet videos because like no one knew what they were doing no yeah they were just yeah they were like okay we've allotted whatever we're like a big company and we just set aside like four million dollars to distribute like like 20 grand to eight different comedians every week to be like make something and we'll see if it goes viral and then i guess that becomes money for us leading up to the 2008 election this website 236 hired me and my friend noah along with like eugene merman and john glazer and we were all paid like sort of an outrageous sum to make Mm -hmm. these like weekly videos that no one was watching, right? And it was wonderful. It was like, it was so stupid, so fun. And then like the only thing that popped off on that website was uh, a comedian who was doing a Sarah Palin impression for free. Just, they were just like linking to her YouTube page. And it was like, it was such a lesson that they were like, oh, people will just make stuff for free. We we don't have to pay anyone for anything. So, And that- And my memory is around that time, there were comedians who would do a political impression that would get heat and that would then break their brain. Yes. (laughs) Where it was like, I'm now very famous, but it's like, I basically do this one impression that by the nature of politics will become irrelevant in a couple of months. And like, what do I do with that? Um, and so uh, that was another danger of that internet era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but you may enjoy this and it doesn't totally apply. But one of my first jobs when I moved out here, when I was like, I had moved out for a writing job, it went away. And then I had this very long kind of lean period. But Will I Am had decided to start his own website. Okay. And on the website, he wanted to do a daily daily show type thing for his fans and it was called the daily dips and so it was like the daily show but it was the daily dips what was a dip exactly i guess you were dipping into the news for a sort of humorous Uh take uh uh-huh and um so i was one of the head writers of the daily dips and I would go to this little office and like, you know, uh, this Atwater Village like building and all day you would, you know, you'd get there at like eight and you would have like produced and put out the daily dips uh-huh. by like, you know, two or 3 p.m. And the person who he had hired to host it did not have a lot of comedic performing experience. Right. That was not their background. And so the sort of hack that we had figured out for the daily dips was like, <laughs> if it's you can somehow say, have dips. this person, oh, we still watch the daily dips. Uh, the hack we had figured out for this person that like you really started to notice that this was every single joke after a while was if we could get them to do the setup and then somehow cut to a video as the punchline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that was the only way that anything was ever going to land. That's amazing. And then they would sort of start to be like, I feel like I'm always just doing the yeah. setup. <laughs> you go like, <laughs> I don't see it that way. Right. Well, <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, I were I worked for the Daily Dips for a little while. I can't remember exactly was it what like, the rate was. Was it like Black Eyed Peas related news, or it was well, just I the pitched news? Some sketches for the Black Eyed Peas. Uh-huh. I was like, can we get Taboo and Apple yeah. D app in here? <laughs> like, are they because I was told they would have more involvement. I didn't get a lot of FaceTime with the Black Eyed Peas, yeah. and it turns out the Daily Dips was sort of siloed off. As Apple its own D thing. Dip. Right. Was, yes. uh, that's that's right. Yeah, dipple dipple dip. Dipple dip. dip. <laughs> like a special episode of Daily Dips hosted by Apple D app as Dipple D dip. D- <laughs> well, now you now I know why it didn't keep going cuz I didn't bring I that know, to the I know, I wish I had known. If only could have been a dipper. There. But there was a big community of UCB people who were sort of taking their like $100 a day from the Daily Dips yeah. for a while. Um I'm glad that uh, I sort of was a fixture on Best Week Ever towards its end. Yeah. And I'm glad that there's no, like, real, I mean, fingers crossed, there's there's no seemingly, there's no uh, record of that. Oh, yeah. It was just like, you would show up, a similar thing, but it was my face on in front of a blue, green screen just being like, okay, um, right for mean-spirited jokes about Lindsay yeah. Lohan's downward spiral, <laughs> you know, seeing her, <laughs> yeah. her upskirt pussy pick. And then it's like, yeah, no problem. I will, I will like easily write these like horrible jokes uh-huh. and mock this person who's clearly in a crisis. It is like <laughs> week after week doing yeah. shit like that. It's like so bad. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, Four pussy jokes about the person who's having a mental breakdown. God, no, that's my yeah. jam. That's so it's, yeah. sort of implying that they're gross. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> can I only do four? Yeah. Or, you right. will, or we'll only pick right. four because I'd like to write and what, 20. What can we do with this green screen? Like, can I play her pussy? Can I yeah. be the embodiment? I'm yeah. like yelling into it. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm the pussy. Yeah. I'm telling her, hey, <laughs> hey, pal. Hey, cover up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, was dark. a great era for television. Dark. And um, I would have killed to be on Best Week Ever, and I did audition. And I was told that I was one of the new faces they were excited about for the next era of Best Week Ever. So, um, anyway, uh, he describes the script first as he like pulls in his whole team and he goes like the script is called chubby rain like i have a meeting with a big producer today great moment where they're like what does that mean what is chubby rain yeah and he's like well afram can tell you but it's uh you know the, the the aliens come down in in the precipitation in the raindrops which makes the raindrops chubby yeah. like the raindrops like are extra chubby because they're carrying an alien yeah and so it's like oh these rain it's like if you were just outside you'd be like those raindrops look chubbier than yeah. usual it's like that's because there's a goddamn alien yeah inside it's them. so good and the aliens are like full-size people so it's like it would be very chubby rain. very chubby rain. yeah yeah morbidly obese yeah. rain because it's like it's it's so big um so anyway he describes the script and it does sound like I thought this was a good moment. It sounds like it could be a fun genre movie. Yeah. Like it could be like a sort of direct to video where it's like, have you seen it? It's actually really fun and like, you know, it's campy, but it's good. And so he does possibly have something that he should be making that would be like a good, a good hit on his hands for what he does. 
But he ends the speech by being like, if this meeting goes the way that I think it's going to go, I'll be seeing all of you at the Oscars. At the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it's just that little extra piece. It's just one line to let you know, this fucking dude, like, can't leave well enough alone. Like, the fact that he has a potentially profitable, producible movie on his hands. Like, movie, yeah. Still, like, no one, and I've talked about this before, but with so much of, like, this town and, like, this business is, like, no one can see what they are. It's like, no, you did do it. Like, you are successful. Like, you're working. Like, you've got your thing. Like, you have a career, like, against all odds. Like, you're here. But people are like, but I think what I actually am is an Oscar-winning lead actor. It's like, no, 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 no. It's interesting because, like, in that moment, you also get the sense that, like, he's sort of telling himself this, but it's also, like, these people need to hear that to stick around. Like he's he's constantly manipulating them. Yes, you know? he's yes he's yes he knows, he's telling he knows it to them. Yes, I guess he's I guess he's lying to them, but not to himself. But you do I do have the feeling a little bit too that he does always kind of nurse this little That's like why he's doing this it. Yes. little seed of like, and I'm gonna be a huge deal. Yeah, and it's like even you know even somebody who has a that's really successful they you will catch them being like and it's kind of going to change the world yeah it's i mean no. technically everything changes the world yeah like, like but like it's like a butterfly flapping its wings or whatever but it's like no it's oh, just can we do it's that just a good thing butterfly effect i call that one okay Coming up next, Butterfly Effect, <laughs> which which does have the subtitles on. Seal of approval. So he then he overshoots what he says is going to be, and he convinces all these people that it's going to be an Oscar movie. He yeah. goes to where Robert Downey Jr. is having lunch. We referenced this before. He pulls it next to him, rips off his ponytail, and then has this has this uh, fake phone call that he's on where he's eavesdropping on them and everything they mention. He's echoing. He goes, like, so he, so Robert Downey Jr., who's a real movie executive, is talking to this guy and he's like, well, I don't know, who could we get for this movie? Like, it really would only work if we had someone like um, Eddie Murphy's character, uh, Kit. I'm blanking on Kit's last name now. Harrington? Um, Ramsey, right? Kit Ramsey, that's right. He's like, if it's Kit Ramsey... And then Steve Martin into the photo is going like, well, I don't care if Kit Ramsey wants to do it. Like he's, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, like one, he's like big time. This, this yeah. movie may be his first choice, but I don't know if he's my first choice. Right. Like he's just like going like, I have the person you want already. Right. And I may not even want yeah, him. Yeah. And it's so obvious what he's doing. And then finally, Robert Downey Jr., who's like going like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, why is he doing this? You can see the cord hanging out of his his phone. Um, Decides to like play along and turns. Amuse himself. Does this, I thought, really funny bit to like well, well before where he like, he's like, hang on a sec. Can I see the script you're talking about? See, Martin's like, yeah, I've got it right here. And he reads the first page of the last page. He goes, Okay, good Wait, start. Okay, Let's sorry, see where this thing goes. This and then he just flips all the way to the last page. He goes, it's a great ending. <laughs> and then it's like, I don't know. You get me this with Kit Ramsey. You got to go picture. Also, it's at that point, it's only like we're only five minutes in the movie. 
twice we've heard the final line of the movie, which is nonsense. Gotcha yes. suckas. Gotcha suckas is like and the big both, catchphrase. Yeah, he, he genuinely, Steve Martin's character genuinely believes Bowfinger, like, that's a great ending. When he says gotcha suckas, it's yeah. like, that's it. Yeah. Like, and people then, are going to leave being like, <laughs> holy Downey shit. Jr. mockingly is like, great last line. Gotcha really suckas. good. Steve Martin's like, it's good, yeah. right? It's <laughs> The the thing that this scene made me think of uh, about L.A., which is something that I genuinely love. I know a lot of people don't like, but you can if you do just go out to lunch at any random place, eavesdrop on like the worst conversation you've oh, ever heard in your life. And and it is people building each other up about their projects and like they closed it down. I used to go, I used to have lunch a lot at this place called Larchmont Bungalow. Oh, yes. Which right. was, you remember it? And it was yeah. like a really shady place. There was an interesting specific about it, which is it wasn't zoned to be a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting it was the just permits, like a house, right? It was like a it was like a house, but it was it was a retail space. Uh -huh. But they weren't allowed to have like a commercial kitchen, which they did. And their workaround was if you ever looked under the table, they had price tags on all the furniture. So they were like, we are a furniture store who offers food. And it was like, just like a little like wooden round table. And it would be like $6,000 right. or something underneath because they didn't want to obviously sell anything, anything. Yeah. but they would get flagged every now and then. And eventually they got completely shut down, but I would eat there a lot. And I would say that like, once a week, Jeremy Piven would walk in and sit My down guy. next to me, just kind of be like, chewing the fat with somebody mm -hmm. he was and always dressed to the nines oh, yeah. pulled up in the range and just you know there were there were a lot of people and then somebody would be there with their life coach who was like kind of like giving them a plan like a oh. plan for creativity where it was like can you promise me that you carve out two hours this week just to write to free write <laughs> not on a project just to get your mind moving. Right. I'd be like, I really want to. I really, I really hope right, that I can. Right. <laughs> I just have, like, I have all these meetings where I'm meeting with yeah, life coaches. I have other life coaches. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you're not my final <laughs> life coach. Um, but there is always this going on. And so it did, it's like a big, funny, heightened scene, but it also feels real. And I'll tell my favorite story, not mine, of someone overhearing, but this is recent. Yeah. Someone sat down at lunch next to Zach Braff. Mm. And Zach was on a date and the girl on the date said, well, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And Zach said, I'm from New Jersey. I actually made a movie about oh it. Oh my God. <laughs> I have, I, I have a, um, I have a standup joke about how much I hate the movie Garden State. Oh yeah. And I did it, um, last year at this big show, Kroll was doing at Ace Hotel whatever the ace theater and uh did the joke about literally how like i hate i hate it's irrational but it's like my least favorite movie um and how i actually had the same condition as the his main character these like brain zaps and uh -huh. they were like really scary and i never went to a doctor because i was like i don't want to I, I don't, don't want to be told out. i have yeah, what's zach Braff's disease whatever yeah and um and you know, it went well. But I was, I, my friends afterwards were. I was like, "How to how to go?" And they're like, uh, "Yeah, it was great." But we, they were sitting behind Florence Pugh, who was dating Zach Braff at the time, and it was just like, like they were like mortified because like every like you know she was enjoying the show, and then it yeah. just like went 
completely stone cold the rest of the set and and look and then they broke up like three days later i don't know she if can enjoy I, the joke now yeah. yeah well yeah the oh so you think it actually made her think like wait a minute yeah it, joe it, doesn't like the i know movie you made? yeah yeah and i like joe's set yeah so what does that say about yeah, our future exactly and yeah. i was three years old when that movie came out so yeah so how maybe, I, feel about maybe that? I need to reevaluate yeah. it with a nearly adult mind <laughs> um uh but everybody's doing great um yeah. i actually I, was talking about at a like a a fancy hollywood party was talking about how much I hated Garden State and someone had to like uh, elbow me in the ribs because I had forgotten that Jean Smart was in the movie and she was standing like four oh, feet from right. me. Jesus yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you gotta watch, you always gotta Jean. watch yourself. Yeah. Watch I, what you're talking about at these parties. Uh, I've done that. Yeah. I, I, I do it too much. I, me too. Well, I, well, my, I, well, I go like, I go like, well, and then there's this, cause somebody, also you get trapped cause somebody comes up, they start talking shit about uh -huh. whatever the new uh -huh. like show it, where they're like, I don't know. It's kind of stupid. And you right. go like, well, that's like this other show. I mean, everybody loved this. And it was, and they go like, I'm, I'm I, a producer. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, I that I do. And you keep going. You know, yeah, keep no, going. Just, I'm not saying so it to know. stop you, yeah. but I just don't want you to yeah. go, why didn't they tell me right. Right. that they, they actually you know, work I mean, on this? It, their it favorite is thing they've ever it made. It is great. Yeah. yeah, no. And you go, no, and I'm not saying, I, I'm yeah. not saying it's bad. I'm saying like this one thing. I noticed. I'm literally saying I noticed something about it. I have a bad. group of friends when we like really need to talk shit, we will drive to San Gabriel Valley. <laughs> <laughs> so just so we know, like, it's fine. We like, there's no worries. Yeah, yeah no one gives a shit what we're talking about. Overhearing yeah. uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, um, that's the move. I try to be able to stand behind whatever it is. Just go like, all right. Because mm -hmm. I have had somebody, you know, fully come up to me and be like, you like said you didn't like my like you were talking shit about yeah. the thing I made. Yeah. And I said, yes. No, I know. I, thought, I, said, I, I watched that it. I watched it and it's not for me. Yeah. And my thing that I'll say, and I do believe this is true often when I'm in this spot is I go. If I got to make my own thing my garden state mm -hmm. that was like totally my voice and like my taste and right. like put it out there with me starring me and my tone which by the way no one's asking me to do that <laughs> you have made multiple of your own thing yeah. no one's asking me to do that yeah so already why are you talking to me right like you won but if that happened I don't think you'd like it. Yeah, that's great. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'd like it. I think we got a different taste because I've seen what you do and it's not for me. That's great. I love that. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to put you on a pedestal, but still yeah. like, like stay strong. Well, that's yeah. True. yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he did but it. I think he made you it. could. And I want to make this with you. <laughs> You've got okay. it. My garden state. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would your garden state be called? Hmm. Garbage state. Garbage. <laughs> garbage fail kids version. Yeah, yeah. it's a garbage yeah. fail. It's I like a shot that. for shot remake yeah. of Garden State, but everyone's gross. Everyone's 
<laughs> puking and yeah. like stinky lines coming uh-huh. up. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're walking around. It. They're wearing a trash can as clothes. You're like, yeah, garbage. Have you heard thing. this? It'll change your life, but it's a band called The Shits. <laughs> 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 I'm just doing a mad magazine. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The Infinite Abyss is like <clears throat> the Infinite Piss. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big toilet, big yeah. giant toilet they oh, found in the ground rules. that's so like full of movie. stinky pee. Yeah. I fucking, I don't know, man. What do you do? Like, we're on strike, but right. like, we're not that on strike. Let's make <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, they he he leaves the restaurant believing that he has that he has a go picture because he believes that the lunch meeting with Robert Downey Jr. went well. Then we meet. Well, Kit Robert Downey Jr. at the final part of the prank, he goes, look, man, if you could get Kit Ramsey, the biggest star in Hollywood to be in this movie, like you say, I'll I'll produce it. Mm-hmm. So he, he runs out of the yeah. restaurant so excited. Like, all I need to do yeah. now is get Kit Ramsey. Yeah, he goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's done. Like, yeah. all I have to do is this thing that's totally impossible. Mm-hmm. So then we meet Kit. Mm-hmm. And Kit and the performance, Eddie Murphy, obviously he's done a lot of playing multiple roles in a movie. Yeah. These two roles are so, they're so different. They're both so funny and like perfectly realized and like feel real, but obviously also like crazy, very comedically heightened and crazy, but they do feel human. But even like, well, it's such, because it's like, it's the peak of Eddie Murphy making these sort of like multiple, I mean, it's like pre Norbit, pre clums. Like he had yes. figured out his thing, but these are two are so realized and so different and also um, weirdly restrained. Yeah. And you the know? fact, well, first of all, it's restrained that he's only doing two. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and like uh, the GIF character is like so subtle and so underplayed in a way yeah. as, as like, Big as like the faces and the laugh right, are, it's right. still like it's so sweet. Yes. And then this is like he's obviously I mean, he's he's playing someone who is a big movie star mm-hmm. and like and not doesn't seem to have any ego about the fact that he's probably parodying some of his own behavior. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like is just kind of letting it rip and letting it like be as funny as it can be. Um and it opens with him going, where's my Asta La Vista baby? <laughs> like, I'm the biggest action star in the world, but Arnold and Sly get all the uh, good yeah. lines, all the good catchphrases. Yeah. I don't have an Asta La Vista baby. Like, I don't have a big catchphrase. Like, bring me a script. And he's also um, saying that, like, Hollywood is racist. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that's why that only not... the white stars yeah. get the good get catchphrases. The good... And then he says he references his last good catchphrase, which was just saying, fuck y'all. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and he's that like, that was good. good. <laughs> that was actually good. Fuck y'all worked. Yeah. And then the guy, his, like, assistant, uh, it's really funny, the breakdown of him going, like, well, this, um, you know, this line you have, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but he goes, like, this script has it. You say, nice to meet you, Cliff. And then you push him off a cliff. Right. And his name is Cliff. And and he's like, it's too much to think about. Yeah. And he starts like breaking down like all the different things you have to be aware of for it to work. And that's when he gets into like, fuck y'all. That's right. a catchphrase. One of the best lines in the movie is actually is like, um, I'm trying to make a movie, not a film. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes, yeah. that's incredible. Um, and then- uh, 
it's like the Where's My Hasta La Vista Baby is also a really good reflection of something that does happen where like whatever the latest big thing was, people go, where's my blank? Yes, right. There's one thing is like, I was told by a, an executive where they were like, it's really crazy to watch in the executive world when like a new word, like a new word for notes gets like infects everyone's mind. Mm -hmm. And their example was that that year propulsive had taken propulsive. off. And it was like, they were like, no one had ever said propulsive <laughs> like that I knew. And then every script was like, we need this moment to be more propulsive. It's just like someone heard that it once rules. and everyone, it was just like, every, and then you, and then I saw it. Everyone mm. was like, it's like, it's not propulsive enough. Yeah. And it was like, okay, that's really good. And then the other thing that I remember happening to me specifically is I worked at Fox after the new girl like fully popped and I was like trying to develop pilots there and they would go, where's our, like this pilot's good, but where's our slow chicken dance? Oh my God. And it sure. was like, okay, what? And they were like, and basically at the, it wasn't in the pilot. It was the second episode of the new girl mm -hmm. that they were like at some wedding and that a way that the, the guys were showing that they were supporting Zoe was like, they all sort of willingly embarrassed themselves. And she had, I think been like hoping they would do the chicken dance at this wedding because she thinks it's fun mm -hmm. and no one was doing it. And there's a slow song playing and they all come out and start doing the chicken dance in slow motion with her. And it's like, this is our, all our friends are bonded and it's a big physical funny scene. And so like everything you turned in was just like, but where's our slow chicken yeah. dance? Like what's our <laughs> slow chicken dance right now? And it was like, whatever the last thing is right. that they, whoever you work for feels was, what's our hasta la vista baby? What's our thing that like right. the culture has attached to yes. is like this work. It's like, you do that. And then it's like, no one like is it fuck y'all is it nice to right, be clip it's like right. well you just get to pick like what your version of that is but was, i think it it's a funny pre-memes yes yeah. have you have you ever been asked for a like where's our blank thing i feel like i'm letting you down today i don't know I, 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 I got I, you know i think of these and i get to prep one but i just <laughs> don't <laughs> don't feel that way but just like or is there like a buzz, like have you ever seen the emergence of like a buzzy like catchphrase like either like in the well, I feel in like, the writer's room world, like Yeah, well I mean I feel like you guys I, I remember the just constantly referencing the workaholics whiteboard. The hackboard, yeah. The yeah, hackboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was real damning. It was like, you know, having been a part of some things that had used those of course. or you know of course well, we it, had used them too yeah no it, but it was like oh yeah there are these there are these things that sort of like just explode and are everywhere you know and um and it's funny to see things do, like sort of emerge and then die so yeah so quickly yeah yeah but like they because they they peak they burn so bright right you know what i mean where it's just like it's huge like and it's funny that they get then characterized as hacky and and what happened was somebody came up with something so good mm -hmm. and so like sort of new feeling and specific that everyone copied it immediately. Yes, right, right. And so like 
because I think it was dodgeball, right? Is like the when the first time somebody said, "I just threw up in my mouth a little bit," and then that was like mm-hmm. everyone, everyone stole it, and yeah. then it was like, "Oh my, you can't say I that." A little. It's like that's the hackiest thing. It's like. It's actually pretty recent right. and it was new and it was yeah. like a trailer moment that got like glommed on. Yeah, I peed yeah. a little. Yeah, it was all like, I just blank. And that kind of stuff like takes off. And the, with the hack board, a lot of us had pitch stuff like that, but you would come in all excited about like, just remember Blake coming in with like food baby. And Lady Boner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah, like, yeah. Holy shit, man. Right, well, nobody yeah. else is pitching for the hackboard today. Like, Food Baby and Lady <laughs> oh, Boner. Like, whoo. both of them. Damn, what so a So efficient. Yeah. Two, two word phrases. It's Oof. just like, he's like, I got it, guys. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know if we can even work now. <laughs> and I also remember um, talking to Durs like years after I was done at Workaholics and I was working on a different project. And I said, how do I tell my boss that he's using things off oh the hack board? Like, cause there was like three things that had gone in, in like a week that I was just like, these are all hack board. And I was like, how do I tell my boss? And yeah. Dur said, you can't cause the hack board works. <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah. You can't because it's like, well, this like this is this is hacky. And yeah. it's like it's hacky because it gets used a lot right. because people like it, right. because it's funny. So it's like, yeah, we're gonna they're gonna say douche mm-hmm. nozzle. Like they're gonna <laughs> they will get called a douche nozzle. That will be that will be the final version of it. And uh people will like it. Yeah. <laughs> people will like that part. Um I mean so. this isn't quite the, uh, the answer to your question, but there was a moment where um, my friend and I were going out pitching a sort of small comedy pre- premise, mm. and it was just a moment. A uh, moment. My stuff's uh, huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time they were just like, "That this won't get made unless you like, we need a car chase or a boat chase." It was just like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. need an action sequence, yes. and it was like that would make no sense for this idea, but it was just we need a boat chaser. Like you're not even going to get in the door, you know? So yeah, no, that's true. I've definitely had that too, where it's like, they're like, well, like what makes it a movie? Uh I'm like, I guess we would film it. And And they're like, no, no, no. no, But what makes it feel like a movie? Like what if they stick a gun in his mouth? They're like, I'm gonna blow your fucking out. It's like, (laughs) okay. But they're like Uh best friends. Uh They're just like trying to like, whatever, like return a scratch off ticket. Or it's just like, it's like some, uh, like, what you remember being movies in the 90s of like sort of a smallish idea and it's like no you no, can't, you can't do, that do that anymore it's not allowed no they need like whatever the like three big set pieces are um so uh he goes to kit's house kit's conspiracy stuff like he's like uh, they established that he's like got a sort of conspiracy theory mind yes. where he like thinks people are out to get him. He thinks everyone's against him. And, and, and he has a bunch of people working for him who are scared to confront him on anything. So he's yes. left to just, you know, spin out like this. Yeah. 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 He has surrounded by yes men and no one's going to actually say like, no, you're, mm-hmm. you know, this is in your head. Um, then Steve Martin appears at his house pretending to be like a messenger from one of the studios. Right. Another totally high thing where it's like, I'm here, whatever. I'm here from Paramount. And it's like, I don't need a script from Paramount. I mean, Universal. I'm, I'm Universal. Okay, oh, yeah. maybe. Let me see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
takes the script. And then as Steve's walking away, and I, this is again, something that I think is well-constructed where it's never been mentioned before. And he goes like, I got to get out of here anyway. I'm on my way to my mind head meeting, which mind head is the um, equivalent of Scientology in the movie. Oh, so early too. Like, I don't yes. think Scientology was being discussed at all. At I this think time. like when it came out, I think that's sort of why I fell in love with the movie was I was already as a high school student obsessing over Scientology. Yeah. Thousands of miles away, but like just couldn't believe the like hold it had on certain movie stars. Yeah. And like, I don't know if the, but the web 1.0 website for Scientology was like one of the funniest, most fascinating things. I was like constantly reading the Scientology website as a kid. And, and so like to see, like, I still think this may be the best satire of Scientology like ever. It's a really done. cool thing that Steve Martin did where it's like it was something that was like a lot of the most powerful people in Hollywood were really into and it was not being made fun of. No, you you couldn't. You and still there's can, really, really specific things in there where they're like, well, he's a level six and yeah. he's and it's like yeah. all these things that are real things that he obviously knows about Scientology that are not I, I don't think were necessarily for me, I'm sure the first time I saw it resonating with the public as these are right. all real specifics from the thing. But he did do it in a way where it like felt kind of silly and funny. And then there's this other layer where he's like really poking fun at this thing that like really. I mean, it's really over the top. Like you were saying, like, like it is just like heightened where like everyone's walking around wearing like cones on them. They have head. dunce caps. They, yeah, they, they have, have literal caps. Yeah. dunce caps on <laughs> and it's called mind head. <laughs> It's like, but then you're like, well, what's the real thing called? Scientology. Scientology. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like they went like, is Scientology too stupid? It's like, we'll just make it a T. Yes, Scientology. <laughs> uh, they, the just, science of science. It's the science of science. It's so the it's the mind of the head. Yes. <laughs> it's, this, it's the scientific yeah. study of science. And there's just something so like subtly funny about when you go into the mind head headquarters, yeah. there's just a voice repeating over and over again, welcome to mind head. Welcome to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. It's just oh. like you are fully hypnotized. It's brainwashing. Yeah. It's just like we're brainwashing you. Yeah. This is brainwashing. I think, like, I think it was like in the it was like in the zeitgeist enough that people knew about like Travolta and Cruz having yes. this like weird relationship with, you know, this organization with like, a I don't weird... know the timeline of the like Katie Holmes that like maybe that was you before know, that, but I was... do think that like, you know, yeah. like Travolta had come back and like, yes, I just yes, think yes. like people like sort of knew about like the celebrity center or whatever. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that, that at one point they actually, the mind head people are actually like, we're going to hide you in the like celebrity relief. And it's right. like, that's that's real. Yeah. Like the fucking Celebrity Center was directly across from UCB. That's actually performance wise. That's one of the funniest Eddie Murphy moments. He's like, he's spiraling out. He's taking like an e-meter test. The guy is like, we got to take you to the Celebrity Center. And then he, you know, he's like cracking and he's like, get my checkbook. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he like already knows like, oh, I'm going to have to pay for this. Yes, it's all. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he uses Steve Martin uses the Scientology mind head thing to get in the car then we don't even hear right what he said. No, he just gets he just he gets kicked like, out immediately. You know, yeah, he just didn't say the right thing. He, yeah, he he missed some like secret handshake moment or something. And then Eddie Murphy's 
Because people like you that give mine had a bad name. <laughs> and then not only does he throw the script out of the window, he shoots the script. <laughs> he shoots it with a, gun. <laughs> with a gun. Yeah, because he's carrying a gun because he's so paranoid. Yeah. And he shoots the script. And then we get back to the scene where he lies to his team. They mm. do the dog trick thing that you mentioned. And he basically can't tell them that dude said no. So even though he shot the script, Steve Martin's like, he loved the he script. He loved it. He's doing it. He's in. He's doing the movie. And they're all like, oh, my God, yeah. we're doing a Kit Ramsey movie. Uh, and then interesting, he he's Jamie Kennedy, important role because he yeah. is the person who gets confessed to, I guess, because he's the cameraman. He need, He's the logistics So guy, he's so the he one who has to, to like know. help plan. Yeah. yeah, he's sort of like the line producer and the cameraman. And like they need to do uh do all of the planning together and so he tells jamie kennedy like look he didn't really agree to do the movie but we don't need him to agree we're just going to shoot it without him knowing that he's in it right and jamie kennedy's like how is that going to work and i love his steve bard's performance in this scene where everything he's like don't you think i thought of that (laughs) like don't you think i know that yeah like obviously i have a plan for that and it's like we're gonna go we're just gonna approach him at cafes where he's eating lunch and just right. have our actors say the lines it doesn't matter what he says back he's like it's an action movie the lines don't matter we just there's need to only get like six scenes right. where we need to even see we just him. need to see him running to and from the yeah. Yeah, yeah and so he's just like i've got it all planned out and the rest will just shoot with our actors um and then he shows jamie kennedy i really like this he do the um $2,184 that he has saved. <laughs> and he's like, I've been saving like $10 every week of my life since yeah. I was 10 years old to make my movie. And Jimmy Kennedy's like, but movies cost millions of dollars. And he's like, right, yeah, because there's marketing. And there's, yeah, there's all these, and he just like has all these like fake like padding things. And mm-hmm. he's like, we don't need anything. It's like actual like nuts and bolts making a movie it costs two thousand one hundred eighty four dollars. Movies cost about two thousand. <laughs> Every movie costs as much money, like when it's all said and done. Yeah. And it is also uh, very heightened, but sort of a funny, real observation. I remember there was that quote going around recently where it's like, "Why did movies used to cost like ten million dollars and now they cost a hundred million dollars?" And yeah. it's like it's much harder to steal a million dollars from a ten million dollar yes, movie, right? Like that, all of the like extra kind of padding in all the departments and stuff that they're able to do when the budget is $100 million does allow people to kind of line their pockets in those movies, which I think is probably real. And it is like, it is hard to wrap your head around like the way that things are budgeted. Like, and I was wondering if you can't explain why is it so expensive? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it is like, I think, why does it cost so much? Uh, Oppenheimer is like a very interesting um, reference now because it only, I think it was it Oppenheimer or, or Dune. Both of them only cost like 150 million. Uh-huh. Right. And it's like, well, how was the flash twice as expensive? Yeah. As why was Dune? You know what I mean? And it, it is like they and they claim it's like marketing and stuff. But it, I think you're right. It's just people. like. Well, But the marketing stealing. budget is not part of the film budget. Yeah. Because famously, when you look at and here's a little tip for people at home, when you look at a movie and it says like on like uh, IMDb or on the Wikipedia and it says like this was what the movie cost. This was what the box office was. And so you go like, wow, that movie made twice as much money as it cost. Yeah. And it's like for the big movies like The Flash or something, if it says the movie cost $300 million, they probably spent 
$200 million in addition to that marketing it. The marketing is a totally separate number. And it's often, however much the movie cost, that's exactly how much they spend on marketing. <laughs> and so, um, so they'll say this movie lost a lot of money and you look at the numbers, you go, well, no, it didn't. And yeah. it's like, well, it did because of all because the, yeah. the money they spent to put it out there is like, it will usually cost twice as much as what it says. I, I, I feel like I don't understand. I've only really worked in TV. When, yeah. Like the money is me like, too, but you still, the budget you'll go like, like, do you know how much it costs per episode for shows that you work on? Somewhat. Yeah. 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 And it, and I at least understand like how the money breaks down, but like, oh uh, yeah. A, a, a $400 million movie. I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be shocked. Even sometimes like you're going around pitching your small movie that you wrote and yeah. you write like a sort of like simple, small comedy script and then you show it to someone and they go like yeah i mean this is producible i think we could make it for eight million dollars like maybe even seven and you go like why why is it that much like, right yeah i mean i know there's an answer and like i ostensibly i guess we're in the expert seats here and yes. it's like mm -hmm. oh it's there's obviously so many different departments and how much it costs. Like you, you look at a small thing where it's like, well, they're just going to like pull out of their driveway. We just need to see them doing this. And it's like, well, they have to shut down the street and they have to hire police protection. They have to do right. like all these different things that you're just like, it's so much more expensive than you would ever think to do what would seem to be a very simple shot of like, we'll just film them driving a car. Yeah. And then it's like, I heard an interview once with the guy uh, who created the show burn notice. Sure. And they did a lot of like, it was like a USA show and they would do like different set pieces. And was like it shot in LA for Miami or was it in Miami? Do you know? I don't know exactly. But the thing that stuck with me is he was like, you know, I was the showrunner. I sort of ended up being like really tight with the line producer and you would get certain scripts and it would be like, because it was Miami, it would be like, so they, so this like villain like pulls up on a boat to the dock and he's like, I'm filming on water. Like, so I'm going to film a boat uh -huh. and he's like, I can blow up three cars for what it costs to film mm -hmm. the boat. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, he knew what every single thing cost where it's like, okay, water becomes expensive because you need somebody on the water. You need somebody inside and you have all these different, and he's like, you could blow up three cars for that. Yeah. Cause it's like blowing up a car is like a controlled yes, explosion. Right. And it's like an interesting side of the world, like production world that I actually would like to have a better understanding of, of people who just know exactly what the like dollar figure is, it is when they see something in a script that's like, okay, we're going to need a squib and then we're going to need it. They just know exactly what it costs. Right, right. It is, it is funny to get notes back from a, like a seasoned line producer mm -hmm. who will be like, if we just change this indoors, we'll save $3 million yes. or whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah let's just shoot it indoors. Yeah. Um, we can there film was... a, an extra episode if you put these six scenes in the same room. Right. So why are they in different rooms? And you're like, uh, uh, I, didn't I think just thought it, it yeah. would be, yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, there was a sort of famous story on a show I worked for once where it was, um, they were, the characters were outside and they were standing in front of a tree. So they needed to see a, a tree trunk practically, but because it's LA, like we couldn't get that type of tree. Mm -hmm. And so we had to create a tree trunk and the props guy being like, we can do it. Yeah, we can do it. We want that tree. It's going to cost a million dollars. Like, like I, to this day, no one knows what he meant. Like he, 
what are you talking about? But like he, he this it was a bad day for him or something, and he was just adamant. It's like we can do it, but I'm gonna need a million. Yeah, you dollars. need a tree, right? Yeah. yeah, I'll make a tree. Yeah, like of course I can make a tree. Do you know what yeah. that means? Right. I don't think you understand. It's gonna be a million it's dollars. One million. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So I guess, yeah, I don't remember there being uh, a lot of trees in this movie, but um, there was a budget discussion on this movie that I'll mention before we actually get to the scene, which is the they wanted Steve Martin to cut the freeway scene. The studio was like, oh. the freeway scene is so expensive. If you cut that, like basically like like Robert Downey Jr., like you've got to go picture yeah. if you cut that scene. And his quote was, I'm not going to cut the funniest scene in the movie. And it's true. It was it was the trailer. It, it was, was the, the something that yes. I remember yes. from seeing it twenty years ago. Of like, this is you know, it's so Looney Tunes. It's in execution, it's but it's so funny. Uh, um. Anyway, he's shown Jamie the money. Uh. Then we get into the audition scenes. So then now they need to cast the movie mm-hmm. for all the people who are not Kit who are going to be in the movie. The audition scene, there is something funny, which is like he has the actor. The actor's just basically some guy he knows yeah. who like he's going to get to do it for free. And then you see the different actors auditioning and the scene they've chosen for the audition is one line one of dialogue line, and, then, and then making out. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like this is how they're going to find out if the girl is right for the movie. Right. And it's just like, again, sort of like a subtle unspoken thing of like Hollywood where yeah. it's like it's. It's not casting couch, but it is is. like, it's just like this dude's making out with different women. And so he makes out with this actress and she leaves and they're being like so nice to her. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, you were so great. I love this. Like, we'll be in touch. She walks out and Steve Martin's like, oh, well, she even (laughs) is like, it's really, it's extra funny because she knows it didn't go well. And she's like, I have a newer headshot. It's like, it's no, this is fine. She's like, you hated me. Didn't you? Like, (laughs) she's like, you hate me. And he's like, no. And then the door closes. Oh, I hate it. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. I have a newer headshot. He's like, this one's fine. This is good. This is, yeah. yeah. And then she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I hate her. She sucks. They're like, I thought she was good. And he's like, sure, she was good. Fine. She was good. But she doesn't have it. Yeah. And he has his whole speech of like, what it is um which uh um he's like saying like uh it's another like very like almost like hacky like vaudeville joke mm-hmm. right where he goes like having it means that like everyone is can't take their eyes off you and everything you say they're totally locked in and they pay attention and the guy actor goes do i have it and he goes i'm sorry what was that i was listening <laughs> guy's like do i have it he's like yeah you do and he goes that's what i thought there's like six jokes like that in this movie that are like (laughs) they're like executed well but you're like oh my god it's like yes you're like you shouldn't be allowed to do that in a movie that is like grounded but i love it it's like it's very funny right like he's like if and if this movie gets made i'll give i'll give you my van and then jamie kennedy says it it is is, my van it's it's my van yeah um do you have it um clearly i don't come on oh, joe come on. clearly you know i have i have like lowercase it <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah i like i can i do because i i remember when i moved here and i would be sent on an audition and they would be like you know whatever <laughs> so the show's called the plant whisperer and you're going in and it's you're gonna play the plant whisperer and and I would be like, 
please no. Yeah. Like I would go, don't send me. Is there, does the, does the plant whisperer have, have a, a nosy yeah, neighbor right. with six lines? Why am I not auditioning for that? Because I would go, I think that I like, I am a good performer and I think I could do this. I don't think that I am going to walk into the room and they're going to go, let's put you on the side of every bus yeah. in the city. Yeah, I certainly Like, I don't way. like, because there are people who it's like that, they put them on the side of a fucking yes. bus. Like I'm in and the bus goes and I go, Plant whisperer, maybe I'll check that out. Yeah. Whispers to plants. Like, I just like, you just, there are people who have that. And I would always be like, why are you making me go against the people who who have the bus face right, right. when when I just want to be friends with them? I, yeah, I guess I like, I was never, one thing I'm pretty happy about is that I've never been like delusional. So I never even like attempted yeah. to be bus face guy. But yeah. like I, you know, I've been lucky and I've gotten parts where yes. it's just like I can, I fit my like limited range. So yeah. I, I've been happy with that. So I do like, I. it's it's very nice. I have such a small part on Hacks, but people mm -hmm. like seem to really enjoy it. So it is nice to, you know, to play a part like that and, and get uh, yeah, that complimented. Yeah. Hey, to me, hey, to me, that's yeah. the dream. Yeah. I have an ongoing joke with... Uh, um, with Seth Rogen that I, I'm just constantly getting cut out of movies he's made. <laughs> and recently there was a movie where they had written a part for me and then in the process of writing it, cut it out. So I didn't even get a chance. You didn't get to, to film yeah, it and then right, get edited. Right. They just yeah, were like, we're just, we're picturing this yeah, and we're picturing you doing it yeah. and we don't want no, it. No, no more. So Heather Graham, who's gotten off the bus from Ohio, comes in to audition. Yes. They're charging people $25 to, to audition. audition. Right. She goes to write out a check and says, I have ID. He says, like, I can't do that. It has to be cash. Will not let her audition. <laughs> Kicks her out. Like, yeah. he's like, please, I really want to do it. Like, I'll go. And he's just like, no, no question. Mm -hmm. Kicks her out. The actor who wants to make out with her goes, it seemed like she could be pretty good. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's very dangerous to let her audition without paying because then later <laughs> she may want to be paid right. to act in the film. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is what we're striking over. It is. This is it. This is why we're striking. It is a funny, it is like, uh, I do try to mention the strike every episode and it is like, again, a heightened, but a, but a real version of the mentality of people in power positions where there was a quote, right, from one of the executives where they're like, well, we're worried about making too good a deal with yes. the WGA because we have so many international productions. Yes, right. And we're afraid that then like people in Europe will also want a fair deal. Right, right. And it's like... It's literally like we don't want to set a precedent that like people, other people will want to get paid for their work. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. We don't know. And, they, and the word precedent is used constantly in this town mm -hmm. in deal making mm -hmm. and never in your favor. Where it's, it's the like, new propulsive. Yes, yeah. yes. Precedent is at every deal. And I like told the story once of like it being that I wasn't going to be allowed to be an executive producer on the show that I created. It was like, well, it's the precedent. Right. Like we can't have the precedent. Right. And it's like, but that shouldn't be the precedent. Yes. Like, it's just like, no, we agree. 
we agree. You should be, but it's like we if we do it for you, then other people will ask for it. And it's like they should, they should ask for it, and you should give it to them. It's free and it's a title, like, and it's just like the most infuriating thing in the world. Yeah, where it's just like we can't do it for you because then you will. If we treat you fairly once, then you will expect fair treatment, and that is very dangerous for us as people who make a lot of money by not treating you fairly. Um, so I, have, I a, shouldn't. I shouldn't tell the story. I'm. I'm gonna hold on. I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> I, have okay. A, I have a president story that. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. If you if there's a way to do it secretly, but just tell it off the air. I don't want anyone to get in trouble. That yeah. There's of no way of doing it only to have fun. Naming names. <laughs> um, so, Maybe for the um, platinum Patreon. Account. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's put it out, Kevin. Put a little button in the corner of the screen on the video. If people click it, they can pay us $10,000. Yes, right. Yes. And it's a private chat with Joe and I. You get sent an NDA. <laughs> you, can hear, uh, you get on a Zoom with us. Like a mildly interesting story. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of interesting, but it's it's relevant to what we're talking about yeah. right now. You'll be hearing it separately later. Um, so then uh, he basically... The actor convinces him. She gets pulled back into audition. There's a moment that becomes important later for her character. You know, we don't have to deal with how problematic the idea of her character is. But basically, the actor goes, I told, you know, I told mm -hmm. the director that he needs to see you even though you didn't pay. And she goes, he listens to you? Yeah. And he's like, yes, he does. Just see the light bulb over her head. She then overdoes the makeout scene. They're like, Steve Martin goes, can we do it again without the erection? Because they've made out for so long. Yeah. She's got the job. Yeah. Um, they're going to start filming. And that, like you reference, begins her unbelievably problematic B story. Yes. Which is... It is just like a, it's a time capsule too of like what these kinds of comedies were like in the nineties. Yeah, where like this was just it's it's so chauvinistic her her yeah. storyline. But despite that, a very funny, I have to say, uh, example of escalation. The ways in know? which they do the reveals of the game are always sort of funny and surprising. Yes. And like and drive plot moves mm -hmm. um, like it's not totally gratuitous and it's not, you know, she is uh, obviously like her character is like a willing, like happy participant in all yeah. of it. But it is basically like she hears that Steve Martin listens to this dude. So she's like, OK, well, then you have power. Right. So I'm going to start sleeping with you. And then the progression just continues where like then she like anytime wants, she hears someone has more she power like wants in more scenes and it's like yeah. well the writer would have to write those scenes right so then she sleeps with the writer right and then she's like are the scenes going in and the writer's like well actually uh the director has to decide where the scenes go in so then she sleeps with the director and it's just like she's just fucking anyone who she yeah, can it's get pretty something gross out and cynical of. Um, and uh, uh but you do see someone you know it's cartoonish and amplified like we're saying but like it is a it's a story of someone who's just like a brutal operator who has like yes. a goal in mind. And within a week of moving to Hollywood has like figured everything out and uses yes. sex as her tool. Yeah. Right? There's a funny thing where it's like, do you think that she is instantly corrupted by the politics of the town and that it's a joke of that being heightened, uh, which I initially read it, or is it like she gets off the bus and it's already like, 
She's a killer. She's like, a killer. She's playing, I think she's a killer. She's just yeah. playing the like naive, like, I just got here from Ohio, and yeah. if I don't make it in one week, I'm going to retire. Mm. And it's just like, she just knows, like, this is the archetype, and I know exactly what I want, and yeah. I'm going to get it however I can get it, which Works for me is like, yeah. I'm, you know, uh, going to seduce anyone who I think I could get something from. So uh, anyway, I will say also, uh, she gets cast. He says, we're about to start filming. He takes a moment to regard his crew of misfits <laughs> and goes, I'm looking at the most promising group of young professionals like to ever embark. And as much as like all of it is so like cynical and like over the top, it is sweet. Like it these moments sweet. are sweet. They somehow play for me. Actually, we you've neglected to sort of talk about the C story, which is the crew they ra they wrangle. <laughs> yes, yes, super yes. awful goes, '90s joke, but they're like, "Where are we going to find a crew we can afford?" And then they smash cut to the Mexican border, and yes. they just have the van doors open and are rounding people up, running from the border patrol. Yes, and they and they <laughs> so they have illegal immigrants who they are yeah. uh, taking in and giving employment to uh, as like they're going to be the he says we're going to get the best crew we could possibly afford yeah. and they get all these guys and again just as the Heather Graham thing is problematic but they sort of story wise earn really good payoffs out of yes. it as this crew becomes obsessed with like film and, and Stanley, they're, all, they're like talking about Stanley Kubrick. They're all debating. Yeah. Yes. Kubrick versus like Fellini or whatever. Like they're, they get really into the world of like, you know, the different lenses and the techniques that are used. And it's very funny that it's like giving them this new passion and they start out like not, they obviously like, speaking they any English they're like and now terrified. they're film They start off terrified and confused. And by the end, like you just see these little moments where like the guys in the front seat, like dusting off a lens yes. and it's just like, oh, this rules. <laughs> like, yes, they've really yes. like found a craft. Yeah. They've become total fucking film geeks. It's really funny. So um, anyway, he regards as young professionals. They start approaching Eddie Murphy in different, like they like film him pulling out of his house and Heather Graham chasing him. She has a thick European accent for some reason. He tells <laughs> the crew Kit's process is that he doesn't want to see the camera because right. he's so invested in the reality. And of he the respects uh, Christine Baranski so much that he doesn't want to talk to her. Doesn't want to meet her out of character, right. or at least until the movie's finished, because like, that's just his, that's how he like is able to maintain the illusion of the world of the film. They all accept this, except Christine Baranski, who thinks it's unprofessional. She approaches him at a restaurant, at a cafe. He's eating at like the uh, Rodeo Grill or yeah. whatever. The way that Eddie Murphy says alien love. <laughs> Which is like, yeah. you just care about your alien love. Alien love. <laughs> alien love. <laughs> it's, this is whatever he got paid for the movie. Worth double it. Yeah. <laughs> the moment of him saying alien love is so good. Not necessarily a laugh line. It's just, that's the Eddie Murphy magic. This was peak of his powers. Yeah. The secret sauce that he had. God, it just makes the scene feel so funny and fun. There's one nothing moment of all the moments that like come back later when L. Ron Hubbard guy asks him yes. um, if he's Terrence hearing, Stamp. If he's hearing Terrence Stamp asks him if he's hearing voices and he does 
what the voice he hears in his head and it's like why Bobby is it Kennedy. J- why is it J- a Kennedy, yeah, JFK or whatever, being like, you need to show those Lega girls. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Take those so Lega girls weird. down yeah. a peg or two. And it's just like, he needs to, the Laker girls are too full of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so John F. Kennedy is telling the biggest movie star in the world he needs to, to show them, them his down dick a peg or two. so that they will be humble. Yeah. <laughs> that is what's going on. And big part of the Scientology thing, and it's like also another comment on Scientology of like, we are we need to cover up and hide your deviant behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh and of course, not always deviant. Sometimes mm-hmm. just like anything that would damage your social standing as a mega Hollywood star. Yes. Yes. needs to be disguised by our by us telling you that is like unacceptable to our religion which is the only thing that you like uh actually are ceding any control to because no one can tell you right. what to do in your life well we'll, we'll talk about it later but i do have like i i do think the final thing with the lakers girl is like an interesting point. oh yes yeah. that's yes that yeah. that that is something that we do have to talk about so anyway they they get a couple scenes out of kit ramsey's character heather graham is getting closer and closer to power um uh they now at some point have freaked out kit so badly that he's taken to the celebrity center they can't find him at all and mm-hmm. so steve martin's like we need a body double right um just to just to get the scenes we yeah, will film from behind yeah. and over his shoulder so that we can get all our actors lines and then try to fill in the blanks later when we like know where kit's gonna be right. again because we're just like tracking his schedule um then we get into casting for the body double and this is where we meet the other eddie murphy role Jifferson. <laughs> his name is jiff uh this is my wish i wrote it moment the intro scene of him where they and this is something that happens at auditions they're kind of like okay you might work and they go would you be willing to cut your hair and the delivery he takes so much time. I can't do it justice, but it's like they say, would you be willing to cut your hair? And Jif goes, uh, yeah, but it's usually better if someone else does it. <laughs> it's a perfect joke. It's, it's such so an incredible good. joke. It's such an amazing delivery. Like it's so much more than what's on the page. Like. And he goes, and then they live in it more. And he goes, because I've just had some accidents before. It's like he's he's done it. His own hair. Also, so he needs to ask for someone else. That just like the way some of those shots are framed, like his head, his face. He is so. I mean, it's clearly Eddie Murphy in both parts, but he's like so distinctly different as Jif. And then he smiles, and he's got like adult braces, and it's just like you know. Like stylistically, it's like aesthetically, it's perfect for that character of braces. Yeah, it's like that must have been such a pain in the ass. Oh my god, to put in those braces. Every and that's time. a commitment. Yeah. and that's something too. Like we talk about having it or being a real actor. And I would guess that you feel the same way. There are people like because you look at the amount of like makeup and costume and stuff that people go through to do like these little like bit things and. To me, I'm like, I would hate that. That looks so unpleasant. But for some of these guys, especially I think like from, you know, Eddie Murphy came from SNL and stuff. It's like, 
getting into the whole routine is like part of it. I'm sure, yeah. And I even saw it like on that Pepsi commercial where they're getting into different genres and like making somebody get into like this whole like revenant thing or this big like alien like wig and costume that I would go like, God, that fucking sucks. It looks uncomfortable. It's hot in that thing. And yeah. like, it just like, this must be annoying. But like seeing like, Ben and Steve like kind of light up like now we're playing yeah like right. just like I'm in the, it's just like oh it's part of it for you yes. like you are a true to your core performer, performer yeah who like loves the imagine like play acting like sort of like we're in another world like we're making a movie like we're putting on a show part of it in a way that is not like in my bones no me neither I actually um when I, uh, as you mentioned, worked on The Good Place, I played, played in quotes, uh, a fire monster, yeah. right? And so um, we he, he returned like four or five times and like every time they would put me in a full green suit. Yeah. And it was like extra humiliating because I can't see without my glasses. So I would put on the green suit and then have to like put my glasses on the outside of the suit to like interact with the other actors. And... Um, it was like the fourth time I had played the fire monster. I'm on set and I'm putting on the green suit and the special effects guy walks over to me and he's like, you know, you don't have to wear that. They're just fucking with you. <laughs> like, like it was just a joke between like the, the producers just to make me feel like insane. <laughs> and I was so mad because he's like, we just crop you out. I mean, like the monster is like 30 feet tall. Like you're there. Like this has been, like, he's just like, it's been an ongoing joke and you're like unaware. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. Oh my <laughs> God. That's so funny. I did a really brief, like, so when Funny or Die had an HBO show, mm -hmm. I was in one of the shorts that they did that starred uh, Brett Gelman. And it was like that he had this parrot that had gone viral and uh -huh. the parrot becomes like a big Hollywood star and does the whole like rise and fall of like That's doing right, cocaine yeah. and all. But it's like just like a funny animal video. And I played a guy who walks into a bathroom and like catches the parrot doing coke with like a friend <laughs> and is just like, oh, sorry, I didn't know you were in here. And the parrot pecks my eyes out. Uh -huh. And they did like, like, you know, two hours of makeup of like covering my eyes with these yeah. prosthetics that looked like, you know, like skin ripped out. And I couldn't see anything and I had to have the fucking shit put over me and I'm like getting like guided around as I'm like effectively blindfolded <laughs> to go act in this little bathroom where like this dirty public bathroom where I'm yeah. bumping into things and it was like it sucked right <laughs> like, I was not like now I feel like I'm in it I was like I wish I didn't have to do Man. this part but I uh I also want to mention like in that audition moment when they ask him to cut his hair that that was i used to do a ton of commercial audition mm -hmm. and it was always like would you you know would you dye your hair for this would mm -hmm. you shave for this would you you know would you whatever and of course i was yes of course, i'll do mm -hmm. anything like what do you want do you want to give me a tattoo like i was just and one day i was standing next to this guy who was in a ton of commercials at the time you know, I think it was a stand-up named Matt McCarthy. Oh, I know Matt. Um, yeah. And he's like, and he's a really funny guy. And he was just like booking like crazy. Sure. He was in like all these campaigns. And I was standing next to him and the um, casting director goes, and uh, would you be willing to, to shave? And he went, not for this. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. That's this is cool. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was 
like, wow, can you do that? I think they gave it to him. Yeah. I think he booked it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like, that, that's the level I need to get to where I could say <laughs> not for this yeah, when they could, ask you me. You could tell I'll... the laffy taffy people that yes, you won't. Yeah, go ahead. Hair. Yeah. Call fucking, <laughs> call uh, the Keebler elves and tell them <laughs> we're going beard on this one. So they cast him as the body double. He says, they say, would you also, in addition to being a major star, would you be willing to run errands? And he goes, boy, I'm really looking to get a career running yeah. errands. That'd be a huge step up. For, that'd be a major <laughs> boost for me. Another great line. Um, I have a small thought about this scene, which is Steve Martin wrote the movie. Obviously, it's an incredible Eddie Murphy performance. The GIF specifics are so funny of like, this naive guy, the haircut joke, yeah. the like, I really want to get a career running errands yeah. joke. I'm like, God, he he's writing such awesome jokes for this dumb character. Jif is the jerk. Wow. Like, yeah. That's my smart thought. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, our, you know, comedy people worship the jerk. The jerk is so funny. He's this incredibly naive, like, just like super genuine Kind of dopey, but like special guy. Sweetheart with like, like not like tremendous ambition. Yes. Yeah. And yes, doesn't know, like falls into bigger and bigger yeah. things because these people want to take advantage of him. And then through happenstance, just like always ends up. And Steve Martin has graduated from being the jerk to being the guy who, who takes advantage of the jerk. the jerk. Now yeah. he's the sleazy he's, guy. Right. He's the, and then, the circus Owner. And now, yeah. yes, Jif is the jerk. So, yeah. Uh, so that it. was my... That's beautiful. Yeah, he's the gas station owner now. Um, so anyway, uh, this immediately is like uh, followed by the freeway scene, which we talked about, the very dangerous stunt that he has to do, where this is like the most fucked up thing too, where he's just like, he's so terrified and plays it so scared. Yes. Like leading up to it. And Steve Martin's like... It's stunt drivers. Yeah, They're all professional trained stunt drivers. And, it, and it's like, it's the busiest freeway you've ever seen. The cars are going so fast. He's like, I need you to run from one end to the other. And uh, Jeff is just like, uh, oh, I always wondered how they did how that. They okay, did that. it's yeah. stunt drivers. But even knowing that he's standing outside, he can't bring himself to run out. Because in his, in his gut, he can feel that it's not stunt it's drivers. It's so well done. Like the, it's it's the, scary. Like the It's tense. Cars are so loud, moving so fast. I don't know how they it's, like. Yo, shout out to it. Frank like, Oz. That's like, it's so well done. It's it, a triumph of yeah, filmmaking it because is. it is, again, it's a 24, 25-year-old film, so th there must be some amount of like green screen or some CGI it somewhere. It fucking yeah. feels like he yeah. is in the middle of speeding cars. And then and it is like straight up like uh, like Wiley Coyote type physical humor of like, oh my God. like nearly getting hit by, you know, like, yes. yeah, like yeah. flat. The way people out. swerving, yeah. honking, yeah. everything gets all the way across the other side, is crying. Mm. Like, you really feel for him. Like, he's crying. And they're like, oh, my God, you did it. That was amazing. He's like, I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to run <laughs> errands. Like I just want to run errands. And they're like, okay, we're going to send you to Starbucks. You're going to run errands. Like, I want to go to Starbucks, please. Yeah. And I was happy they didn't. I was like, are they going to do, like, that was rehearsal. Like, right. now we'll film it. They don't do that. They do just go, like, just do it one more time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, that's our out. Uh, I, and I've never heard the term heavenly God before, but he keeps <laughs> saying heavenly God, God heavenly God, God. heavenly it's God. Yes, funny. it's a great, it's a great specific. Um, uh, so then um, we 
continue Heather Graham's ascent as she gets together with Bowfinger finally. Yeah. They have a very, you know, well done, kind of tastefully done romantic scene between them. Yeah. Where it does, does not feel gross that Steve Martin has put himself together with Heather Graham in yeah. this movie because it's like the the lovemaking stuff all is so like cheesy mm. and it's them like clothed being like i want to make love to you i want you to make love right, to me. right. And it's like very like over the top and again kind of symbolic of what they're um showing you uh christine baranski has against everyone's wishes and without their knowledge gone to off camera talk to kit to just say like she really admires his commitment right but again there's all this like great like double entendre stuff where She's going like your fear from the alien was yeah. is so. She's talking about like palpable his method acting with the in terms of the plot of the movie. Yeah, he's just hearing that he's a part of some sort of alien conspiracy. She, she really admires yeah. how scared he looks in the parking garage when they have the dog in high heels <laughs> follow yes. him doing the trick. It knows how to do it. He just can't see anyone there, but keeps hearing footsteps behind him because there's a little dog in mm. high heels walking in an empty parking garage and. It, it is played very well and he is very scared and, and it is very creepy. So she tells him how much she admires him. She overhears that he's going to be at the clothing store again. Very elegant connection they've made. Um, then they finally film the big alien scene where it's like he's as freaked out as he could possibly be. And they have the dude in like the bad suit go up and like uh, confront him and like tell him he's a pod person. And yeah. then he gets shot by Heather Graham, who's still doing the crazy <laughs> accent. And she tries to like get Kit to run away with her. Um, and it's just like Kit gets so scared that he's going to get pulled into the celebrity, the celebrity center. center. Yeah. Jif has this scene at the diner with all of them where he's like, again, so sweet and being like, this has been, this has been so great. Like you guys are being so kind to me. Right. Uh, and basically says like, you know, I'm not special, but like you all have all this talent. And well, I'm he's so like, it's just nice that you guys like me for me and not because I'm Kit Ramsey's little brother. And then yeah. everyone freezes. Well, yeah. well, first he says, like, they go, you have this great talent. You look like Kit. Right. Yes. And he says, like, he says, like, I don't think it's a talent to, like, look like someone. Um, and I do want to talk about the weird world of, like, body doubles. And, like, um, did you ever uh, – there's this book called The Devil's Candy that I'll recommend, which is mm. about the making of Bonfire of the Vanities. Okay. Bonfire of the Vanity is one of the like biggest flop films yeah. ever. The you know, most popular book in the world, incredible book, very funny, very cinematic feeling. Um, then became this Brian De Palma movie with Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis and all these big stars that just didn't work. And this woman, Julie Solomon, was on set the whole time and like had total access and has all these stories of different like it's death by a thousand cuts, all the yeah. reasons it doesn't work. Like from the beginning, it's kind of doomed. But one of the people that she kind of profiles in it in this one little half chapter is Bruce Willis's body double. Oh my God. And it's, it's cool. And he talks about like, you know, Bruce puts him in all of his movies. He usually has like little roles in the film and he works with Bruce and Bruce is good to him, even though he's portrayed as like, uh, not the nicest guy mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, but 
this guy also is like, yeah, I have this life where people think I'm Bruce Willis because like they'll see him on set and then I come out later wearing the exact same right. clothes and people are kind of pushed back by like the production and they think it's me. And he's like, so I pretend to be him. I mm. wave to them. Like mm. people take pictures. People think I'm him. And there's just this very interesting reveal at the very end, which is that he is a twin and that his mom was obsessed with like the fact that identical twins are like too associated and similar and don't have their own identity. And she went to like insanely great lengths to make sure that they were differentiated mm -hmm. and like never dressed them the same, like always tried to like foster different interests for them. And he of course became interested in the arts and entertainment and filmmaking. <laughs> and his brother became like an accountant and like, just like was, you know, into math and did this right. whole other world and lived in a totally different part of the country. But what his destiny was, was he became <laughs> an identical a double twin. for yeah, someone else. Right, like he right. became someone's professional twin. And it just like, I don't know. I don't know why. I just love it. Like, That's incredible. It's just like such a great story. It's a great book. Um, and that world is just strange. Like all the like, you know, on Workaholics, these guys had the same body doubles yeah. for seven years, eight years. And they I just mean, like I, have these relationships with these people. Ted Danson's is incredible. They're Oh yeah. They look whole, identical. Like, like followed yeah. him through all these different... Yeah, it's yeah. like you have this weird like friend and they have a strange life as like this exactly. surrogate version yeah. of you. Um you're you're there, you sometimes get to like be there for rehearsals and stuff. So you get yeah. to like perform a little bit, but otherwise you're like sitting in costume reading books. Well on, you're like, getting Kindle, lit you know? for them, but then it's also like you like most people work with Ted Dance and work with him on the project they work with him on. You have been through his whole yes, career. It's you really say it's like you're a part of all that. You've been a part of more of his thing than anyone else. Right. Like you're his most constant collaborator yeah. in a weird way. So it's like a funny relationship that I find interesting. But anyway, they say it is a talent to look like someone. He says, no, it's not. And then he goes, it's not really that big a talent. I mean, he is my brother. <laughs> well, they, they also, they're, they're like, Robert De Niro couldn't play. Yeah. They can't, they they go, can't look I like I could him. never look like yeah. Kit. Robert De Niro couldn't look like Kit. Like, that's a really special talent. Yeah. Because, is it? I'm just his brother. Yeah. And they're all like, what the fuck? <laughs> never <laughs> never mentioned it. Never explained, like, yeah. what, why he, like, needs a job running errands when he's got this famous brother. Like, they just go, like, that's it. Like, yeah. he's just this kind of, like you know, never made it brother who wants to be in showbiz. Um, Bowfinger then feels really guilty that he's lying to everyone. And this dude doesn't know that he's being treated as a stand in mm -hmm. for kit. And he's going to pull the plug on the movie. And again, plot wise, they use it. Well, Heather Graham immediately, immediately upon learning that he's yeah. related to someone super famous has had sex with Jeff. Well, the moment she hears that they actually cut to her like, removing her hand from Bowfinger's shoulder. Like yes. she's already moved on. It's incredible. And then Jif also being this like amazing, naive, the jerk type character comes in from his trailer, grabs Bowfinger, who's clearly been in a relationship yeah. with her and goes, you'll never guess who I just had intercourse with. Yeah. <laughs> and just describes that he has had sex with Heather Graham, which... And then everyone has been like a jilted lover at every turn after they've slept with her yeah. and realized that they've been used. Bowfinger then, it's good because it allows him to go, 
okay, this is a small betrayal on behalf of Jif. Yes. I now can continue making the movie where I'm lying to him. Then pulls in Heather Graham and goes like, we are over. We are done. She goes, why? And he goes, and this is like sort of a runner up wish I wrote it for me. Yes, he goes, we are, we are totally done. And she goes, and she goes, why? And he goes, you had sex with Jif. And she goes, so? And he goes, I never thought about it like that. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a very like it, it evokes like his girl Friday or something. It's so like like rapid fire. Yes, like the, the it, patter of it's amazing, and it's also like when they are in their romantic scenes, they both are saying these like huge expressions of like I'll never betray your trust. Yes, right. I'll never lie to you. I'll never like you. You know, like I'll always cherish you. They both know we are lying yes, to each other. We, like they're this, both hustlers. This is transactional. They both yes. are aware that they're both hustlers. Totally. And so like when he confronts her of like, you stab, like you did this thing. And she's like, so what? And it's like, right, let's keep pretending. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. we're like, let's continue the transaction. Right, right. And when he says on the Betray Your Trust, I forgot to mention, he has stolen her credit card to finish funding <laughs> right. the movie. Um, which yes. they just never even deal with. Um, so then they have the... Big car chase scene following this. Mm -hmm. um, they have the moment where they're like, this is the last scene that we need. It's the big action sequence. Uh, we know where Kit's going to be. We're going to corner him at the clothing store. They do this like huge, crazy, like actually very well choreographed thing where like a car gets in front of them and then backs them down this blind alley. Yeah. And then the cops pull them over. Like you can't be driving like this, but the cop is Afrim, the Afrim, writer yeah. who has like, you know, as promised, I guess, gotten his role in the guy's film. one wine and then he's got prosthetics. He's got and... some weird goo that like comes out of his hat to make it look like his head is melting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> there was the thing earlier where they... They've overheard Kit saying what he's afraid the aliens are going to do, which is inhale his gonads. <laughs> so, like, as Afrim's head is melting, he's going, my gonads, my gonads. <laughs> Kit is now scared enough that he decides to go with Heather Graham, who is in the role of saving him. And the moment where he decides to go with it, I thought, is so great, yeah. so well performed. And, like, you really do actually buy that he's just getting in the car he with this stranger. Escape. Like, yeah. it is his best option because of how fucked up it's all become. So, uh... They do the they do the car chase. Um, they have a good, I think, technique for this like low budget film, which is they drive him into a building and then they go into the security room so they can get different shots of him in various locations by just filming close ups of yeah. the security camera. Yeah. And like, I guess, laying in the dialogue later. I thought that was like a really clever thing that like a production like this would need to do just like a smart shot to get. Um they finally like are going to get the line they need. He's like at the top of the observatory. They need him to scream the famous line, gotcha, gotcha suckers. And they get busted by Mindhead, who has come. And it is it is also a thing of like Scientology saving Kit. Yes. From people who are taking advantage right. of him. Of like, I don't know what the meta commentary is of like, you're being protected by people who take advantage of you. Right. By the people who want to take advantage of you. In a different way. Left to your own devices, you'll be tricked by these like small time hustlers. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You wanna be you wanna be part of the big con, yes. not these small time con artists. By the way, the poster for the movie says the con is on. I never really uh, thought of it as the con is no, on. No, I know. Not the right marketing. No. He then gets like wrapped up by Scientology. It's be and it's like Mindhead has its fingers everywhere. The security guard 
who works where Jamie Kennedy works, has seen has that he's seen that been he's stealing, stealing the camera, stuff. Yeah, realizes, you know, in maybe a little bit of a clumsy way, that they're fil- they're stealing it to film Kit Harrington without his knowledge. That's why he's been so Ramsey, paranoid. Kit Harrington Kit- comes later. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that it should have been played by yeah. Don Snow. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm really sleepy. <laughs> um, no, you're uh, crushing it. Uh, you have it. <laughs> I keep saying. So then uh, it's Kit Ramsey has been filmed without his knowledge. They put together all of it. The helicopters close in. They kind of say like, we're going to, we, you know, own the film now. You're never going to release this. You're busted. They then uh, are talking to, is it, one of the like um, Mexican crew members that has been filming. They've like, been tasked with B-roll, just getting like B roll of. Told Kit them to Ramsey. get B roll of Kit, just like follow him around, like even when we're not shooting right. scenes with our actors, just for atmosphere, just to yeah. see if there's anything we can use. They somehow got into and filmed him courtside at a Lakers game. <laughs> So now the payoff of all the like, don't show it to the Laker girls. They have him they have... putting a paper bag on his head. And running up and exposing himself to the Laker girls. Uh, who all laugh at who him. All it's, laugh it's like at a very dick. humiliating. Yes. Yeah. And maybe that's what he likes. Yeah, that's okay. who knows? It's, um, we're not here to it's king not shape. my business, yeah. yeah. Not what I'm into. I want people to pretend it's big. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> it's the Clippers girls. Yeah, so it's the Clippers girl. <laughs> Going like, what is that? <laughs> um, so anyway, he, they now go like, we're going to blackmail Mindhead mm-hmm. and Kit with the footage so that we can release the movie and get him to and, like do some pickup shots. Yes, right. Mindhead is like, okay, fine. You've got your wish. We'll sign off on this. And as with the movie State in Maine, which I covered with Jen D'Angelo, okay. the solution to make everyone in the movie happy and to like keep Hollywood running that is shown as a happy ending in this film that is a commentary on like how Hollywood works. The the solve is to cover up the doings of a sexual predator. (laughs) Yes. It is to say, let us shelter this sexual predator and not reveal what they've done and allow them to continue operating as they have. Mm -hmm. Like, tell them, please don't do this again. Right. But, like, no actual consequence to keep the, like, money rolling in. Consequence, yeah. Everyone's thriving at the end. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And so, uh, there's, that's just what that is. Yes. Um, It's funny. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, anyway, they do that. Uh, Scientology is complicit, uh, or Mindhead. Um, And then we go to the premiere and at the premiere, it's like, it's a hit and another sort of touching moment as you see Bowfinger watching his movie that he actually made yeah. and people actually enjoying And it. his seats kind of suck. Like he didn't, he's, he's been sort of like removed from the, the machinery. He doesn't get to sit he, with Kit yes, right. or, or with Heather, Heather Graham, Graham who now has her own, on him. Yeah. So, and Offram uh, has like 30 people with them at the premiere. They're all proud of him. Yeah, yes. it's and then it ends on like a completely cartoony. Yeah, they well they pull they go to the production office where they've um, uh, 
they they're all sort of like basking in the glow if we've done it mm-hmm. and their grandma walks in with a another person just like another gag in the progression yes. of her and she goes i met this woman at the premiere she's one of the most powerful lesbians, lesbians in hollywood, hollywood yes. um uh and then there and everyone's happy for her uh and then they get a FedEx delivery, which is like filmed as like this triumphant right. thing of like, like the happy ending, basically yeah. an incoming call right. from Hollywood, and they're asked to go make them. And it's like you are like they said this was going to be an Oscar movie. Then it's portrayed as the movie is successful; it's going to be a hit. And so it's like, what level of hit is it? Yeah. They are going to go film like a knockoff, like ninja action movie in another country, starring. Starring Jif. Jif and and you realize Bowfinger puts himself in the movie too, yeah. and they have a very long scene. <laughs> yeah. So long of them doing this like sort of Let's call ninja fake action ninjas. movie. Yeah. Fake purse ninjas. Yeah. And uh is it too long? I don't know, but it is like a funny, like, okay, this is their brand now. They make these like schlocky like yeah. the fighting looks terrible jiff is playing he's, he's so scared, scared to even do the yeah. stunts but everyone goes flying every time he yeah. like looks at them and it's like a happy ending of like Bowfinger's legit as much as he can be watching it again i mean i still love it i mean it might be like some sentimentality or whatever but uh-huh. um i do think uh, the movie would have been helped so much if they didn't choose the obvious songs like literally like like there's just like you know right they had a crazy budget to get this music yeah if it was just like a normal score i think the movie would have been helped yeah well like they, the they score, literally play like kung fu fighting at that the, was kung fu like, fighting oof. no thank you yeah um the the score the like ambient the like original score for the movie is good yeah i think it's sort of like jazzy funky like sort of like james brown backing track yeah. just kind of like feels like this like it's fun and this guy's you know he's he's hustling like he's an operator right. and that's good but yes yeah, some of the song the individual like soundtrack needle drop moments yeah yeah it's, it's not um, necessary uh we could have taken another pass but at the end of the day bowfinger you've got the subtitles on seal of approval Joe, is there anything else you want to talk about or say? Do you have it? Did you pick a wish I wrote it moment? Uh, I mean, I think we basically have the same. I mean, the, yeah, the audition GIF, scene, the GIF, the saying GIF is, stuff, yeah, so it's, good. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that is like the funniest like set of dialogue lines. I do think the mindhead stuff, what like is just still so good and resonant. Yes, I, like of that and the Scientology. Satire in Schizopolis is, I think those are the two best sort of pokes at Scientology. So, so um, check out Schizopolis and, yeah. um, and, and please, uh, follow Joe. Um, uh, he will save you from your bad relationships by taking down the, uh, most beloved, uh, creative works of your partner, mm-hmm. uh, with his, with his satirical bent. Yes. Um, right. and, uh, and, and thanks again for tuning in. And as always, uh, keep the subtitles on and the sound off. <laughs> <laughs>